Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 125, Poor Pyatt Pre, featuring Anne. I'm Scatty, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Yes, and as Scat said, welcome to Sweet YFT, aka Anne. Uh, when I look back on people who have been with us the longest, I would have to think Anne is in that top five. Like as far back as I remember, I can imagine Anne being there. Um, always a friend, always there. And just that good, strong presence where you know you're going to get a bunch of honesty mixed with a bunch of goodness and a bunch of smartness and all of the good things combined. So we're glad that and we attitude. finally have her on an episode with us. And uh, attitude. Oh, you'll hear the you'll hear the attitude. You'll hear the <laughs> sass, I'm sure. But the sass. <laughs> and yeah. so glad to have you. Say hello. Well, thank you so much, guys, for having me. And well, you're saying that, but it's because you know. I was not in front of you when I was listening to like episode two when it was like, well, no, you got those dates all wrong. I was just saying that in my head, like, who are those three yep. clowns who are mixing up people's names? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That That's was true. us. That is definitely us. <laughs> and, you know, been with us for a long time. Yes. But I also, and I've said this on the cast several times, I consider Anne to be one of, if not the oldest friend in the Kalasai that I, one of the friends that I made first, um, she was definitely the first person that invited me to talk with, with her group, uh, about, about the series. Um, but, but just beyond that, just personal friendship. And, um, you know, we, we kept that friendship over, gosh, it's been seven and a half years or something. It's been a long time. So long time. Been really great. So I'm getting misty over here. Oh man. All right. <laughs> Well, let's move on to some announcements. Uh, first and foremost, maybe most importantly, it was definitely most importantly until some definitely things dropped late in the week. But go abs, right, Matt? <laughs> no, it was most important for me. It was <laughs> the most important. <laughs> uh, after 21 long years, my hockey team won the Stanley Cup again. Oh my and gosh, has it been that mm -hmm. long since Sackick and Forbes, Forsberg? 2000, 2001, that season was when they last won the cup. Uh, and, you know, it's sports, right? It's sports ball. But with all the crap no going on in the world, it was so nice to just be able to throw my complete support and attention and everything behind a silly game uh, for a couple of weeks and watch them lift the Stanley Cup. It was a lot of fun, so... Oh, so can I b give a big shout out to my buddy JD, JD the Dragon? Because I'm pretty sure that that's also his uh, sports ball team on ice. Mm -hmm. That they were talking about that in the chat. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't understand anything about <laughs> Cavs or anything. I don't even know where that team is from. But it was like, yeah, Colorado. Like, oh, that's why. Mm -hmm. That that would then make a lot of sense mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that was yep. his hockey team, you know. and he mm -hmm. was really excited that they won. And yeah, he was a bickering with James a little bit, but yeah. So yeah. What, shout out to JD. I'm glad your hockey team won. JD the Dragon and your James. You're referring to James Michelle, I think. Yes. What is who's his Ooh. team? Is he? He's probably. A, I think he might be. Is Red he Wings. a Red Wings guy? I yeah. think he might be Red Wings. Uh, yeah, probably. No idea. Yeah. Which is I mean, the do, traditionally do. the rival of the Avalanche. Yes, um, weird, they, weird rival Detroit and and Denver. Right, double yeah. double D's. There's a whole thing we can get into it sometime. It's a whole history, but not it's this. A, it's a cool rivalry because it's based on actual history, which is yeah, that's cool. Not totally, just, not just geography. 
<clears throat> um, but this is not a, a hockey ball sport cast. This is a... I, yet. Oh, he's got one more. Go for it. I did just want to say that the Avalanche set the record for fastest time to denting the Stanley Cup, the big trophy that they win. Uh, it was about 10 minutes, and a guy dropped it and dented a, it on the ice. So, boom. will live in infamy. Boom. It's not, it's not one you usually pursue. But good, congratulations, Avalanche, on winning yep. the Cup and denting it yep. quickly. And I think all of them are still quite drunk. So this is a oh, good thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the next steps for the podcast real quick before we get to the, the bigger news kind of in the fandom. Uh, we have one more Meet the Calls Kalisar episode coming. That'll hit sometime in mid-August. Uh, we're still trying to finalize that a little bit, but that should happen in mid-August. And then we're going to do a little bit of a shift and a, a little tease. We're still weighing a few options exactly what direction we're going to we're going to we're going to take, but uh, look forward to that. Uh, that'll that that'll be coming in August, September as well. Uh, and then to the big news in the fandom, which uh, two two pieces really. I think of them as related, but I think uh, I think actually they weren't. Um, George posted a post to his his blog, the Not A Blog. You should go find the Not A Blog if you've never gone and read it. I'm sure most of you have. Uh, but he posted to that, and we also had an, a huge interview from friends uh, in the fandom Game of Owns. Uh, Zach and Hannah, great, great people. If you were at Ice and Firecon, we had a, we had a, a, a uh, joint panel with them. Uh, great people, and they did a fantastic job with their interview. So if you haven't, go check out Game of Owns. You can find them on Twitter, whatever, and you can or I think it's gameofowns.com. Anyway, you can mm-hmm. find them easily. Uh, a great interview. Go go listen to it if you can. Lots of lots of really good stuff about that interview. Uh, specifically, like the back half of it, maybe a little less than half, uh, is is about House of the Dragon and and wins and kind of what he's doing there and, and some things that, that he shares. Um, and then the first half is just really about his career and how he came up through television and, and all sorts of different and early, early writing days in science fiction and stuff. Uh, a really great interview, really well done. And George is, is uh, man, he, he's just really fun to listen to. Yeah. Uh, and they, they do a good job. You, you can just kind of hear his brain working through his responses as he answers. Um, really, really well done. And uh, I don't know the, the blog post, Matt, you read it. What do you think? Um, I don't know, more of the same. I was comforted by the fact that uh, he talks about, he, he specifically calls out the idea of the show or the books ending the same way as the show and saying that, no, as he's kind of gardened his way through writing this book, he calls himself a gardener rather than an architect, right? That he's, even the show has kind of influenced him to maybe go a different way, right? With some of the characters. And while he's got the end game pretty much figured out, the high level end game, um, the way that the characters are getting to that final point or their final points is is still being written and changes constantly. And on one hand, that makes me think, oh, my gosh, we're still three more years of waiting into this. Um, But he's uh, working hard and wanting to do it right. You can tell that he's not trying to push anything and and try to, to meet a deadline or something. He's making sure that this is the right direction for all the characters and for the story he wants to tell, and I appreciate that. 
Well, listen, I hope he's not doing anything to hit a deadline because I got news for him. Yeah, he's missed it. <laughs> he's missed it a few times. A few uh, times. So, yeah, and, and I, I, I can see the uh, more of the same comment, which I think is what you led with, Matt. It's, most of this is not things he's not said before. It's, um, I'm working on it. Yeah, basically. I'm working on it. The gardening thing is something he's used a lot of times. Um, you know, I don't think he's been himself too coy about the fact that there will be divergences, of course. There are characters that don't exist in the show that still exist in the books. I guess the thing that jumped out at me, and it's a perception I have of, of what he wrote more than anything he explicitly said, it just felt like he was passionate about it. This is something where the story's been told. He could mail this in and, and pretty easily submit some things to finish this off in a way that was, you know, kind of in line with the show and just kind of got it over the line and, and he could cross it off the list. But it feels to me very much, and I don't know how I could have thought otherwise, really, but it feels to me very much that he is in this, deep in it, wanting to do it right, focusing. He, he spends a lot of time talking about individual, uh, you know, smaller characters that are that have a place in this world that have a place in the rest of his story and that's important to book readers and i think he was really looking out for us he knows you know some of us are we're at the end of our rope you know <laughs> we've been waiting for a while so i think he knows that and i think he he threw that to us like hey i haven't forgotten about you guys this is this is real to me i want to do it right i know it's taking time but i want to i want to do this in the right way and i'm going to so Again, those are not words he said. It's just kind of the perception I got of what I read. And so that that was my feeling about it. Uh, I was really happy to read it. It's the best, to me, it's the best blog post we've had in a while, for me personally. But yep, well said. Let's move into the episode, shall we? Please, I'm Let's excited. Do it. So tonight we're tackling Danny Four of A Clash of Kings, sometimes just called the House of the Undying chapter. Uh, this is a chapter of vision, prophecy, a bit of badassery at the end, and a chapter that gives windows into other characters and goings-on. More than maybe any other chapter in the whole series, this chapter reaches into the past and present all over the series with some of the visions that we see. So this is going to be a ride that will traverse everywhere. Spoilers for everything. Uh, hang on to your hats. We're going to jump around quite a bit, probably. So. Yes, sir. Those days of Davos After Dark are long gone. Mm. But not long gone is where to find us. Uh, you can email us at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook some, sometimes, not very often. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Davos Fingers, where we are at all the time. Or And uh, check out our Patreon and see what's there, what uh, kind of benefits we have for your listeners and your patrons. That's patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. So, Anne... Where can your adoring public get in touch with you? Well, uh, first of all, do you really want to get in touch with me? Because, you know, my DMs are open. And <laughs> There's the like, sex. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm still waiting, adoring public. <laughs> Every day, I'm like... I'm accepting. And, I, you know, the big news that I heard today is that Elon Musk is, after all, not buying Twitter. So I do not need to delete my account so i'm still on one social media so you can find me on twitter at sweetyft and um i guess that's that's pretty much it because i deleted most of my social media accounts that's great Good one way to find you that's easy to remember yeah <laughs> at sweetyft on twitter at at sweetift 
is how I used to think of it. Sweet 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 eft. Sweet sweetie eft. No, no. Then you're gonna say sweetie foot. You're gonna say the French way, sweet eft. If you really want to. Yeah. My French is my French accent is not super great. Let's dive into the first chapter summary. Anne's is great though. Anne's is really strong. It's really pretty great. strong. You, you do a great French accent. That French accent. <laughs> you want me to do chapter summary with the French accent? <laughs> Just don't read the summary in French, because I'll be lost. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it though. Let's dive into Danny Four. Of a cock. Silver hair and purple eyes always on the go. Kicking it with the dragon kids and Joe the and oh she knows just where she gotta go and won't be Tarian. Look how Westerosi comes the nearest Targaryen. Danny has arrived at the palace of dust, the house of the undying ones, those of elevated age. And if Pile Pre can be believed, elevated wisdom. But their palace barely qualifies. That's right. It's a single level that snakes through the trees, not a big tower, as is sometimes depicted in uh, A Song of Ice and Fire fan art. It's missing roof tiles, and the mortar is crumbling. Her companions really don't like the look of the place and urge her not to go in, but Zarozoan Doxos insists that the warlocks inside have not to give her. They try to go with her, too, uh, but Danny refuses, and Pi emerges to agree indicating that Danny must go in on her own or not at all. Danny must go inside. She wants the knowledge the warlocks can offer. Piet approves. The child speaks as sagely as a crone. <laughs> then he proceeds to give her instructions that she must follow. This place was not made for mortal man, and if she wants to find the way, she should hit him. First, always see the first door on the right. Second, if you find stairs, you must climb, but never descend. And doors may open to her and people speak to her. She can ignore ants or answer, but she must not go in any door except every first door on the right. And lastly, to remember what the Undying tell her, our lives are no more than a flicker of a moth's wing to them. Before entering, Pietri has Danny drink a flute of Shade of the Evening to unstop her ears and remove the call from her eyes. She does so and enters, viewing the first room and immediately taking the first door on the right. Then again and again and a fourth time. But then she was presented with a long hall with only doors on the left. Drogon unfolded his wings and flew ahead, crashing to the ground ahead in the lit long hallway. It was quiet too. Danny could hear things scrabbling in the walls and sounds coming from inside some of the doors. Loud noises as if someone was trying to escape one room and yet another that had the sounds of a distant pipe. And some doors were even open. It was too tempting. Danny could not keep from looking. A woman being savaged by several small rat-faced creatures tearing at her flesh and forcing themselves upon her. In another room of slaughtered people at a feast, with a man with the head of a wolf seated at a throne above him, also slain. His eyes follow her as she passes. Then, perhaps the biggest temptation, she sees the house with the lemon tree, her old home, and her old ward, Sir William, summoning her to him. She wanted to go in that door more than anything, 
but she turned and fled down the long hallway. Doors and doors and doors, but all to her left, and she ran past them all until she could run no more, and a great room to her left held an old man in a room of great dragon skulls, saying, Let him be king over charred bones and cooked meat. Let him be king of ashes. Then another door, with a man that looked like Viserys, but wasn't. He was with a woman and talking about naming a new son, a son whose song was the song of ice and fire. Aegon would be his name. But the dragon has three heads, so there must be one more, he indicates as he picks up a silvery harp. After this door, though, she continued down the hall until she came to a descending stair, but no place to go up, and all the doors had been to her left. She couldn't follow Pyatt's rule. She stopped to think, but as she did, she noticed the torches behind her were going out. Yes, the darkness behind was catching up to her and something with it, something shambling down the hallway as the darkness approached. She looked for a secret door, but nothing. The first door on the right, the first door on the right, the first door on the right. Was the last door on the left, she realized. And she fled through it and away from the encroaching darkness. That was some Stranger Things scariness. Yeah. That part with the shambling creature coming down the dark hallway. Yeah, George does some really interesting stuff in this chapter with, with some some different oh. genre mixing a little yeah. bit. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, definitely. A lot of genre switching. What yeah. kind of genre stuff did you guys see? I'm interested. Well, there's... We're starting with that, so there's strong horror elements. Uh on uh, that entire description because we're jumping straight at the end of the chapter uh, of like those never like the never ending hallway with like the lights like disappearing behind her and then like mostly like the the line about the sound behind her um, mm-hmm. and as she listened it seemed as if she heard something else coming, shuffling and dragging himself slowly along the fitted <laughs> carpet. Ugh. And it, it made me think of, like, I don't know if you guys know the trend of the, like, liminal space. Do you mm. guys know that? I mean, I know liminal spaces in general. Yeah, but, but like, mm-hmm. you know, making it, like, creepy pasa horror about that. Like, it can mm-hmm. either be still pictures of, like, a abandoned building, or there's even, uh, like, a little... YouTube video series, like a few, but there's one that's been kind of popping up about liminal spaces, and it's like basically that. It's you all of a sudden like clip out of reality, and you end up in like never-ending, re- repeating hallways uh, that are abandoned, and it's dark, and you don't have no idea to go out, and and it's like when you go down, you kind of like get into a darker space of reality, and there's always like with something kind of following you and yeah, the thing follow you gets mean. yeah like she's, scarier as you go down she's definitely entered she's definitely entered yeah i mean the, the way you're describing a liminal space she's definitely entered one of those this is this is not a space that matches what she saw from the outside no it's like she's been transported into this other space that reflects a different reality entirely or no reality at yeah which it's like also its own in- enclosed pocket dimension world thing no and and the the house not looking 
at all on the inside as he does from the outside. Also, like, makes me think a little bit of Arnovsky. I forgot the author's name. I'm so sorry. But House of Leaves. Have you guys ever read that book? No. So it's basically... It's a very meta book. It has a lot of layers, and I read it like 20 years ago. <laughs> so I'm not going to be extremely precise on that, but it's the story of people who live in a house, and they, it, it's not shocking as a house of their undying, and it's more like uncanny, the style, like uncanny horror than, you know, that style of horror. But they realize that the house is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Gotcha. Mark the, Z. Danielewski wrote house of leaves yep Damn. yes and, and so let's pretend i remember the other name and said marzi <laughs> marzi my buddy and he was actually at if i remember correctly it was a book that was mostly written online before being published but oh interesting oh interesting there, there's other genres in here too i mean i don't know if genre is the right word but you know there's there's a a quest for knowledge going on here Danny's very much going after something unknown, a, a, a world that's unknown to her to achieve knowledge, yeah. which is, you know, very much a... Yeah, kind of that hero's journey. Hero's journey Oh, stuff. yes. Yep. Okay, so definitely. the That's that's also more of the note. That's in the first part. Uh, when um, something that is almost, yeah, almost like out of Joseph Campbell, like straight up, when Pyatt says, uh, so the house of the undying ones was not made for a mole man, blah, 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 blah. And then, okay, mostly when he says, so, you know, so he tells her the old spiel about, you know, always take the door on the right and then always go up. And so she says, oh, okay, the door to my right. Okay, okay. But then I understand. And when I leave, the opposite. And then Pyatt replies, by no means, Pyatt said, leaving and coming, it is the same. And that is like straight textbook out of, you know, Cable's uh, hero with a thousand and one face. That's exactly the hero's journey when he has to go down because life and death is the same and night and day is the same, but he has to come to that realization. And yes, I say the hero is he because he's seeing Campbell, but it's a, uh, because anyway, masculine and feminine is also the same. It really doesn't, genders doesn't exist, that all opposites are the same. And you've got to kind of go through that, like, ego death to realize that I I I, I, I okay I'll you're doing great I call you're doing great I we're trying off. to keep up I'm going to go a little bit yep there so we got horror we have this hero's journey idea there's kind of a a science fictiony um you know supernatural element to a lot of this a little bit later in the chapter maybe more mm -hmm. than this there's the prophecy component, which is, um, you know, maybe part of the hero journey stuff too, but, um, you know, laced into some of this, uh, this visions and prophecy stuff, which is huge in this series in general, right? Prophecy and getting kicked in the head by a mule, uh, oh. as Tyrion says. Uh, high fantasy, if we were can jump to the second part, because we only summarize the first part, but uh, the first room that she enters in that she thinks or oh, those the undying ones are very beautiful i yeah. mean i think we'll talk more about that when we get we will, there yeah, right. but that is 
like that is pure high fancy. That's like D and D wet dream. Robed, robed wizards in fancy raiment. Yeah, exactly. With, yeah, pointy hats and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah pointy hats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, shades of Luke Skywalker on Dagobah, right? In you must go, right? And uh, it was interesting. Some places even a call must walk alone. She says. Mm-hmm. I'm interested yet, in talking more about the Undying, but I think we'll do that later. But was uh, was was Piat Pri a soul trafficker? Was he a trafficker of souls uh, yeah. to feed the Undying? We'll get to that in our, I think, section oh, yeah. two. Definitely. But, well, that's that's kind of why I went with that thought thought provoking title. Like Piat Pri did nothing <laughs> wrong. Well, let's start with talking about Piat Pri a little bit because we got. Like, I, yeah, we know, can talk about him now. Yeah, exactly. Because, okay, our vision of him is, like, very corrupted. Basically, because Zaro hates his guts. We don't know why. Yeah, probably tainted, yeah. Yeah, sure. he probably borrowed money or something. Or maybe they won't lend them money. So, obviously, there is a reality. Those warlocks deal in magic. And until the rebirth of dragons, magic had dried up throughout the world. Like, we know that is a fact. We yeah. still don't know, you know, chicken of eggs, if something caused the magic to research, which allowed Danny to rebirth the dragons, or if the rebirth of dragon caused the resurgence of magic. Yeah, but... did the comet bring it, or did the dragons bring the magic, or who yeah, knows? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, uh... you know, yeah, their powers were not as strong as they used to be. Uh, that part of what, you know, Zaro says we can, you know, maybe infer is true, but like, uh, you know, like everything we get from the previous chapter from Pyatt, like there's nothing really bad about him. Like, you know, uh, all, all well, the bad things. Well, does are... come at her with a knife at the end. But... Before, yeah, I said before. Oh, yeah, he come out this. with a yeah. knife at the end after she just burned the house. But again, True. like we're—that's yeah. why I want to talk. No, that. So what? So what do you? So what do you think his motivations are then? Like you're saying, he's done. He's done nothing wrong. Yeah, I I can see that. Like he's no different than Zaro or the Pureborn or the other people that Danny's talked to in Karth. They all want something from her. That's not necessarily evil. It's just capitalist, just capitalistic, I guess, or something, right? I, I mean, it's not necessarily evil. But what do you think Pyatt wants then? Well, what does Zaro want from her? Like, again, like... I think Zaro wants a dragon. I I'm think. not sure. Like, okay, see, the thing is, like, rereading those chapters, I'm like, because you said you didn't watch the TV show. And then I realized, rereading the chapter, I'm like, because in the TV show, Zaro straight up tries to sell a dragon, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, like, yeah, I guess my memory was a little bit corrupted. By that in the TV show, they seem really like nonchalant. He could have stolen her dragons. He totally could have. Pyatt or Zaro? Zaro. Well, so Zaro, I don't remember if it's the chapter after this one or the one before it, but he straight up says, I'll buy a dragon from you for, I don't remember how many ships he offers. He offers a bunch of ships and she goes through this whole mental calculation of like, there's three dragons in the world. How many ships are in the world? Because if you want a dragon, you're going to have to give me a third of the ships in the world. Yeah, that's one so, before, after uh, after she, like, struck out with the... With the Pureborn. Yeah, the Pureborn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. It came before, maybe. 
But so it seems to me that like that's what he wants. Um, but he's playing a very slow game to get it. He's I feel like Zaro is you know he's patient and he's gonna just try to woo her and impress her and offer her all these things and get her on his side. And then yes, uh, I think um, somebody tells Danny. Uh, I think it's I think it's Jora actually tells her that if you marry Zaro, anyone in in by Carthine rules. You can ask for one thing; they can't turn you away. They have to give it. Yes. So if he gets Danny to marry her, he can just demand a dragon, essentially. So that's his that's his game to me. Pyatt's game though is less clear. So I'm I'm interested what you guys think of what what he's really after. I'll reserve my answer till section two. Okay, that's fine. He comes off as he comes off as uh, super concerned about her and being like, "Hey, I want to help you along with this. You know, I want you to get yeah. through this." And so. I'm going to give you these instructions and just follow them perfectly and things are going to go great. But uh, that question of what does he get out of it is a good one. Well, I guess I'll, I'll just tease this then. He gives her good instructions if the goal is getting to the undying. Yep. I have major questions that I don't, you know, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about what this short chapter is actually about and what George is trying to do with it because my major questions are really about what what would happen if Danny did go through one of these other doors? Does she just immediately disappear and her soul is forfeit? Or like, do does she just get lost and wanders the halls until she dies of thirst? Or like, what do we think actually happens if she doesn't follow those instructions? Because following the instructions gets her to a pretty fucking terrible place where they're like ripping, ripping her apart, right? And we'll get to more of that later, but... I know, but I know. guess like we, we really want to discuss that. So maybe... You know, oh, we can, we can tease it. We'll we'll tease it. We can leave it for later. I just I know. Keep, I guess as you're listening, Kalisar, you know, what what is his motivation? Because he does want her to get there. Yeah, but okay. So trying to backtrack, like like listening to what those guys had to say throughout all of the other chapter. Karth is a very ancient city that has been there forever. We see, remember POVs. You know, we all. I mean, I, I say that to myself first because I'm like. Wow, like I had not read any A Song of Vest and Fire chapter in years. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Danny arrives there like a, a real self-entitled hero, you know, after, I mean, and after the birth of her dragons, she's like, oh, yeah, like, mm, mm, yeah, give me, give me everything. Like, Karth has withstood a lot of shit. Is a really ancient and powerful city, does not care about Westeros, does not mm-hmm. care about Valeria even. They're, you know, in a way, far yeah. enough way. Uh, I correct my foreknowledge on uh, the world of Ice and Fire if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they had, you know, trading relationship, but it's not like Valeria really, you know, had that much influence on Karth. Again, if... Yeah. I am totally misremembering something I read ooh, years ago. Uh... Oh, I think you're doing fine. I, I think uh, Karth is very much an island yeah. co- compared to like most of the rest of the world. By, by, by nature of the fact that we've watched Danny's whole group of people wither and almost die in the Red Waste just to get there. It's pretty isolated. And I think they're used to just doing their own thing and making riches off trade and and doing all this stuff. That all makes sense. And so I guess when I, again, a tease of maybe what Pyatt Pre wants, I think you you hit it earlier, Anne. 
there's magic coming back in the world. Yeah. Pyatt, I think, suspects maybe that it is to do with these dragons. And I think he's trying to grab onto that. Because yeah. the warlocks are getting more powerful and he doesn't want to lose that. But uh, there's maybe no, more it, there. It, but... Exactly. That's the thing. Is like, fundamentally... So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Xaros would love a dragon, but, you know, what what I feel like throughout the entire chapter, they're just be, would be happy if the pretty queen, the pretty lady with the dragon would just stay. And why wouldn't she say it's the best hit in the world? Like, come on, girl. what? Stop <laughs> being delirious about your cold, damn place in the on the other continent. Stay here. You'll have everything mm. you want. Well, you know, that's the vibe I get from everyone, you know, and it would benefit. I mean, I guess Quaith is the only one who says get out of here, you know, yeah. from that group, but it would benefit Zaros. Uh, you know, because again, like I, yeah, Karth, I mean, again, from what I remember, really wants to protect itself. Yeah, it's got but, the whole wall system. Yeah, so a dragon would be helpful for that, but it, it I don't remember it having really a, a culture or a history of warring and trying to conquer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree so, with that. You know, it's almost it's almost like the dragon would be a novelty to Karno. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would be born. special. I would be elevated above all these people that don't have a dragon. Like, yeah, it's, it's a guy who's got everything. So. What do you what do you get a guy who already has everything? Exactly. Don't care how I want it now. <laughs> no, nobody. No, no, yeah. Nope. Really, nope. Charlie in the chocolate factory? She wants Don't the gold that. geese that lay the golden eggs. Oh yeah, Veruca. Yeah. And I only remember Veruca Salt's name because there's a band named Veruca Salt. It's a pretty good band. Um. <laughs> So yeah, like, uh, do, to we, me, do you want to talk about a, a few, of the, a couple uh, of divisions that we came across uh, in the section? Or did I you want? A, sorry, a, did you have something? I have again? a lot to talk about, but yeah. So to answer the question, to me, yeah, Piet kind of, you know, I mean, like the way I see it so far in the chapter, without jumping ahead, is uh-huh. Piet wants her to stay in Carve and like let's take him at face value so far, okay? Okay. If, yeah, see, the Undying can give you knowledge. Knowledge is cool. You want knowledge, then maybe you'll stay in Karth and you'll keep on giving us the magic that is useful for us. Okay. Right. Uh, I'll buy that. Yeah. I'll buy that for now, at least. Yeah. Until we get to the second <laughs> half. Exactly. First half of the chapter. Um, no, what else did I want to... Yo, no, I'm sorry. Yes, there are a lot of things before the vision I want to touch on. First of all, and I was like... Oh, I'm going to blow their mind. And then I'm like, oh, I'm sure everyone has already discussed that. But uh, my next, guys, so my next uh, little chapter section is the Undying Ones equals Children of the Forest confirm three exclamation (laughs) points. Mm, Okay. Okay. okay, That's not a connection I had made. Caveat. Okay, by Children of the Forest... You know, again, that's the Westerosi term. There are probably different ethnic groups of children of the forest, you know, the ones, you know. So I'm not saying they're, you know, 100% the same. In fact, like the descriptions that I'm going to talk about don't look like the same description that Brad make. Uh, But we know they're the Eferequi 
uh, slightly higher up that really sound like children was the, the correct word. Yeah, the ones the ones from Essos that lived in like the the northern the if yeah lived yeah. in the northern forest there from the world of ice and fire. Yeah, if he kept wrong. If, yeah, if you Kevron, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I will just read. Re- so we know there are the Efekevrons from higher up in the yep. in the mountains or gra- above the great great grass. Good pull, Matt. By the way, holy cow. Uh, <laughs> and and you know I have a you know my personal theory. That's why I love Brand Chapter so much because it's the one the most connected to that is that you know we have subterranean chapter. Uh, chapters no uh titles all over the world and it's all connected the yeah. world that is everywhere and it's all connected with the children of the forest uh, so you're talking about like the undying ones are old people they're like they're, maybe they're like this region's version of the children of the forest is that what you're saying yeah 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 okay yeah which, okay so i'm gonna say children of the forest with, with the caveat that it could be a you know a different ethnic group sure you know, but early people it, Exactly, because again, our lives are no more than a flicker's rough wing to them. That sounds very similar than things that we hear old Nan say about the children of the forest. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then the description of the dwarf, like, because again, Danny has never heard of children of the forest. You know, that's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not an Essos thing really that much. It's certainly not a Pentos thing. I don't think Viserys would have ever told her about that but yeah. you know like the the little dwarf that serves her the drink when they reach the door which again is a a tall oval mouth set in a fashion in the likeness of a human face like that is so werewood tree or like also reminded me of the tree at uh castle black the the gate at castle black that sam goes through to fetch bran yeah, the night four, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, sorry, the night four. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which was our last chapter that we covered, so... Yeah, might yeah. not remember it had we not just covered it. Very <laughs> much uh, very much called that same thing to mind, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. so the, the smallest dwarf that Danny had ever had seen... Had ever seen. Yeah. As, as high as her knee, it says. Yeah. So then, it's, you know, she says, his face pinched and pointed snottish. I know that that does not sound like the descriptions... You know, there's no dappled skin, no right, right. big eyes, so it's not the same description. But I don't know. It, uh, yeah. you know, it really. There are so many things. Like there are a lot of mouth, you know, face doors in this house. There's that. There's the fact that the undying ones. I don't know. In fact, there is a door of weirwood and ebony. So I'm like, that's, too, so. you know, that's kind of what I, where I'm getting, again, to not jump ahead, is has she ever met the undying one? And uh, so, yeah, then, you know, I want to discuss Shade of the Evening a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, before we get there. So, you know, uh, the description is exactly the same. I mean, not exactly the same. The description has an incredible amount of parallel a description of uh, the weirwood paste that Bran eats in his final chapter in the Death of Dragon. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, Yeah. the first seed tasted like ink and spoiled meat fowl. Mm. And when she swallowed, Mm -hmm. it seemed to come to life within her. Mm. Uh, Mother's milk, cum, all those things. Yeah. Everything she'd ever tasted. tasted, yeah. Yeah. She had ever known in none of them. And then, so, Bran's, you know, in Bran's chapter, 
It's, oh, you must eat of this, leaf said, what is it? A piece of weirwood seed. Uh, Bran says, uh, the vein rains, the red veins were only weirwood sap, he supposed, but in torchlight they look remarkably like blood. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but it had a bitter taste, though not so bitter as acorn paste. The first spoonful was the hardest to get down. It almost wretched it right back. The second taste is better. The third, almost sweet. The rest is spooned up eagerly. Why had he thought it was bitter? It tasted of honey, of new fallen snow, of pepper and cinnamon, and the last kiss his mother ever gave him. The, you know, so it's like, yeah, it's, you know. So shaded evening equals Jojen paste is where we're going. It's certainly, uh, you certainly get that same Evocative. idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. What's interesting to me is wondering, and maybe Anne, you're going to get to this, how much of what Danny is seeing is actual magic in the House of the Undying and how much of it is brought on just from the effects of the actual shade of the evening. Yeah, right? well, yeah, that's what I'll get, like, to get to later. But, yeah, but, like, the similarities. But there are a lot, so many similarities between him, like, and his uh, Brad Raven Cave adventures and that chapter. And so I, I, to talk a little bit about drugs, I, and again, that's something yes, I pretty we're going to talk about drugs. Tiny, a tiny, yeah, a tiny bit to scad. Uh, but again, like, if you're not interested, because Scad told me you knew nothing about it, but I thought it could be fun. Because, you know, for as much as we talk that, uh, about all the things that George took from Lord of the Rings, like, you know, upon rereading, if you've read Dune, you see that, oh, George probably took just as much, if not more, from Dune. And so there were a few, like, through the angle of the shade of the evening, like, a few similarities between the two books that I, you know, were fun and I want to touch on. But if you guys know nothing about Dune, like, I don't want to... So, so what's the parallel? You said it took as as much from Dune as from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. What's the? Are you talking about the spice or something? Something well, else yeah. besides the spice? Because no. we have listeners definitely that know tons about Dune. I yeah. know. So listeners, Kalasar, to hear it. Kalasar will know tons about Dune. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think I've not read, because I kept on saying that the Song of Ice and Fire in a while, I was sixteen when I read Dune. So, um, so just that's a few years like, ago then. Yeah, exactly. Just a few years ago. That is very vague. But, you know, like the thing that made me think about that is the warlocks that are mostly fine with their blue lips from the consumption of Shade of the Evening. And it's also mm-hmm. like, you know, you're on is afterwards mm-hmm. where we get to see it's like, oh, you're blue red lips. So that's like yep. a very striking thing for that drug. It's like the fact that it makes your, blue li- your lips blue. And so it made me think in Dune mm-hmm. of the Mentat, which are the human computers that can analyze any probable outcome of any situations. So mm. it kind of a kind of foresight that so they don't consume. It, it, so for them, it's not spice. It's something called Sappho. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. but that makes their their uh, lips red. Oh, similar. Yeah. Wow. And so, so it's th- very, so it's very obvious that they're the human computer people. It's very obvious the warlocks are warlocks. Yeah. That their their drug of choice gives them away. That gives them some of their power. Yeah. Right? So that's what first made me think of that. Yeah. Cool. It's a cool parallel. Yeah, I like that. 
I wonder what point uh, you can be like a recreational uh, shade of the evening drinker versus oh. your lips actually turning blue. Do you think? Yeah, I bet. I bet the rich. Oh, I'll have a little. I'll have a little, just one. Yeah. And if you drink it through a straw, is it okay? Like your lips will never turn blue. No, can you just inject it it? and then like avoid the lips entirely? Like I I don't want to. I don't want it in my mouth. Not a good idea. I don't want people to see that I'm. Yeah. You know, a shade of the evening holic. I want just to. Yes, exactly. I mean, hey, Danny asked that question: Will my lips turn blue? And Piet said, "Not if you just take it once." Right. That's answered in the chapter. Just just take it Mm -hmm. once, you'll be fine. So yeah. if you're just a recreational shade of the evening partaker, you'll be all right. I know, but can you... Answering the important questions on the Davos Fingers podcast. Exactly. Well, we started, you... started recreational. <sighs> Ended kind of medical. Thank Ended you, Ended kind of medical. Oh, buddy. You're that welcome. my heart you're that you're pulling hold steady references. Start, I, well, I, I did, and also things that start recreational frequently turn medical. And I wonder if there is some sort of level of addiction with uh, the shade of the evening and these warlocks like it gives them an edge or, or a, a mental high or wisdom or something that they feel like they can't not have right and so I, I wonder i don't know well, kevin, kevin smith now says that he doesn't write unless he's high first i think for kevin smith that's a really good idea <laughs> a little bit more about the spice just to finish yeah. up because it's oh yes yeah uh-huh. so again because again the warlock shade of the evening like you're supposed to have as Pyatt says you know uh visions of more yet to come you know uh so within within you will see many things that disturb you visions of loneliness of loveliness visions of horror wonders and terror sight and sound of days gone by and days to come and days that never were, you know, so that's basically what the drug gives to you. So yeah. the spice in Dune, it's used by the Bene Gesserit, which are the order of the Reverend Mothers uh, to have vision of the past through awakening of genetic memory. So basically they take it. Oh, like far, like not their own past, oh. like, gen- like generations past. Exactly. And, and they can remember like really in their body the memories of all the previous Bene Gesserit. that's cool and oh that's cool and like like the, generational knowledge transfer yeah and on the other end you got the space navigator that uses spice to look forward as a form of prescience it doesn't allow them to really see a path forward but the dangers that could happen so they can avoid them that's how you know you can navigate and so and for our heroes uh paul and and his son, you know, like Bran, uh, not Bran, but uh, yeah. it's Bran like, yeah, I know it's used for, for both. They can see the past and the future because they're mm. like the super, yeah, the superheroes of the story. I heroes, see. monsters. That's an interesting parallel, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, as we dive into these visions, it's like. We know that the stuff that Danny sees with Ares, for example, when he says the thing about let let him be king over what is it? Ash, Ash. Ash. And, right. That that actually did happen, mm-hmm. yep. even though Danny wasn't there to see that or remember that. So your idea, like the the spice that awakens the genetic memory, you have to wonder if there's maybe something that has to do with that shade of the evening with that's allowing her to see her these father. things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also like. Like, is it 
it wouldn't be a direct trans a, a direct relationship to the spice that you described it Anne. but like is it only showing her that memory of Eris because she did hear a story about this a long time ago that she's kind of repressed or put away or didn't really remember right. could be because yep. she doesn't really react to that to that vision very much no. she sees it and she's like a dude I don't know she moves past that one quickly she doesn't have not like she reacts to seeing Willem and wanting to go to the door not like she reacts to some of these other ones she just kind of sees and is like nah, I don't know and moves on it's almost like she doesn't really know the history very well of her dad and what he did that she either wasn't told or kind of repressed it it's yeah. kind of interesting even like even with the huge skulls that like you'd have to assume are dragons yeah. she doesn't really it doesn't seem like she's putting it together what that vision really even is no, no, it's I know I I thought exactly the same thing. Like it's it's really weird. Yeah, you know, and even I mean, like for because you could think she doesn't. You know, she mentions Rhaegar all the time. She idolizes her older brother. Oh, yeah, Rhaegar, if he was still there, blah 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 blah. She sees Rhaegar. Yep. Uh, yeah, and she's not even sure it's him. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. It's also I wonder if. You know, she's been raised on stories of the usurpers, right? And um, that they've done this terrible wrong to House Targaryen. So I wonder if maybe that story about Aerys was just admit, uh, omitted. Like she wasn't told it. And so she and doesn't know it. I don't think too many people knew that story. There weren't too many people around him when he said that. You know? Yeah, that's true. So yeah, you're right. She, that's, a, that's a story fair. that wouldn't be in the history books, probably. Yeah. So she wouldn't have heard that. And that was like right at the sack of King's Landing. Yeah. So. Yes. Right before. I mean, yeah. Danny was gone. Like people that could have told her that were already gone. Will yep. and Derry wasn't around to hear that. So. No, you're right. There's no way she probably could have heard it. it yeah. Unless it got passed. Unless that story got passed around. but Overseas right. and made its way. But. Have told. Yeah. No, no. Nobody would have told that story. But, you know, like, I, 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 I kind of get why she wouldn't recognize her father but i'm more surprised that she wouldn't you know i see something like you said scott about like the dragon Rhaegar. skull like something well yeah Rhaegar, but here the dragon the skull dragons. like mm -hmm. who is that mad man you know like in my father's throne because she must have heard yeah. all the stories <laughs> about the throne room yeah. You know, she she, yeah, that's a good point. She's like, meh, no big deal. <laughs> she doesn't seem to react to it very yeah, much. At least so, not as much as some of the other ones. Yeah, you know, wasn't she? Because she could be worried that it's a vision of the future of someone wanting to attack King's Landing, you know? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she doesn't. It's interesting. She the, the amount of information she actually has is pretty low. But this doesn't, this doesn't like, trip anything for her. Like, it doesn't seem to anyway. Right. She pays much more attention to the vision of Rhaegar. Yeah. Which is a really interesting one. Yeah, and I know we're skipping over the beautiful woman in the red webin red webin? Red wedding. We'll red, come back red, to red, those red. ones. But um it it calls into question for me the fact that the Ares vision is so accurate. It is something that actually happened. The yeah. Rhaegar one, you have to wonder if it really happened or if it's just part of her vision. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we attribute a quote like this one. He is the prince that was promised, and his is the song of ice and fire. We say Rhaegar said that. Actually, we don't know if Rhaegar said that. Danny's vision of Rhaegar said that. Yeah. Right? That could just be something brought about by the Shade of the Evening or something from the Warlocks of Karth. We don't know that Rhaegar actually said that, or do we? 
considering well, that the Ares vision was accurate. Do you know what I mean? The Ares vision was accurate. So does that mean that this one about Rhaegar is too? And so is George setting us up with the Ares vision? Okay. Saying this me, actually happened. Let me let me take this for a second. Let me take this for a spin. So maybe, because the, the Ares one comes right before the, the Rhaegar one. Correct. Maybe what George has done is by giving us the Ares one, which we know is accurate and we know happened vaguely that way, by giving that to Danny and us seeing that it's real, he wants us to see, oh, these visions are actually accurate. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, oh, that's where you were, sorry. No, nope, you go, go. I'm just, Keep going. I'm just catching up, I guess. Keep going. But if she's seeing that one with Ares is accurate, and we know it is, even though she doesn't really get it, we do as a reader, we can also then interpret the vision of Rhaegar also as accurate right. and real, that the prince, the prince that was promised is a thing. This is a scene that actually happened with, with uh, Elia, that uh, these are things that happened. This vision to me also, I don't know if you were done. Do you want to go back to that? I have more on this. No, keep, going. keep going. So this vision too, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it too far. It almost feels interactive. Uh, it says he that looks at her at one he point. looks directly at her. Yeah. It almost gives us a sense that he knows that she's there, that she, he's almost seeing her and, and interacting wink, with the wink. scene. Right. That I don't know that he had any ability to travel through time or anything and see this in the future, but it's almost like he he almost has this glimpse into the future. He knows he has Aegon. He sees Danny alive in this hallway. Uh, so he knows he has Aegon and Danny. And then right after that, he says, we need one more. Mm-mm. Because it's almost like, yeah, he also knows somehow that Rhaenys didn't live, right? And he knows he needs one more. And so he says that to Elia. We need one more. That there's got to be a third, right? And it's almost like an interactive vision that like, Almost like it reaches back and gives gives uh, gives Rhaegar more information. Yeah, no, it to was... do more with his life. So maybe maybe I've just watched too much time travel movies. No, 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 no. And what's interesting is that in the next chapter she discusses that vision with uh, Jorah. Mm. Yeah, that one specifically. Yeah. Uh, and because that's so that's it. yeah she doesn't react there but it's like the only it, it's one that you know bothers her so she's gonna discuss it with Jora right after that and like to be like mm, and like he confirmed like oh yeah Rhaegar played such a harp and he's like you saw him and uh and she says my brother said the babe was the prince I was promised and told her to name him Aegon and uh so Jorah said replies Prince Aegon was Rhaegar's heir by Elia of Dorne but if he was this prince that was promised the promise was broken along with his skull when the Lannisters dashed his head against the wall unless it wasn't and Aegon is Aegon is real Danny's the second rider and Jon is the third We talk about George's blog post about things changing. What if those are our three dragon riders? I know everyone hates that. And Willis Tyrell is back up. <laughs> yeah, Willis. He's on the bench in case. He's going to need a saddle designed by Tyrion. I'm just saying. <laughs> and Tyrion is the saddle designer. Uh, <laughs> uh, for all of them. The official saddle designer of Danny's dragons. Do we want to talk about the Red Wedding one and the... 
four creatures fighting over. Well, I mean, honestly, like I, I don't have anything that the fandom hasn't said twenty thousand yeah. times on those. Uh, yeah. The only thing. Let me just cover them real quick. Yeah, exactly. About the you know naked woman. So yeah, the accepted canon is that similar for for the war of the five king and the beautiful woman is the land of Westeros being ravaged by war. So at that time, the four men would be Joffrey, Rob, Stannis, and Renly, I guess. The only thing I want to add, which I'm sure has been covered to death too, as anything in those books, it's uh, that we get the same little radish, uh, rat-looking thing in uh, Damper's vision, really in the Forsaken. So which, mm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, is, is high ed because... Of course, his brother uh, force feeds him some shade of the evening, and so he has like weird dreams. You know, he sees like Uragon like rotting in the sea, and then he sees uh, um, when he laughs, his face laughed off, and the priest said so he was not Uri but Uron, the smiling eye hidden. He showed the world his blood eye now, dark and terrible, clad heel head. Sorry, clad head to heel in skill of dark, uh, as dark as onyx. He sat upon a mound of blackened skull as dwarves capered around his feet and a forest burned behind him. So, like, it's not exactly the same, you know, description, but I'm like, oh, so is that also, because exactly, like, arcading back to what you were saying, Matt. Like, well, I mean, like, does the shade of the evening just make you see that type of creature, or? Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't make that connection with the Forsaken chapter. Good pull in. It's interesting. But yes, four kings. It's called the War of the Five Kings, but at any given time, there was only four kings actually battling, right? Yeah. Renly yeah. died and Balon kind of entered, right? Mm -hmm. So. I've always hated that, though. Like, you'd still think they'd show five. Just, like, which one of it, which one doesn't count? Which one, which one isn't in there, do you think? Because we don't know when this vision represents. Which one? Which one's out? Joffrey? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Renly. Yeah, you're right. We don't know when that vision. Yeah. yeah. I always just basing on when the chapter takes place. Sure. According to the timeline. But yes, of course, because it could be vision of any time. So I'm going to take Rob out because I don't want Rob to have a pointy radish face. <laughs> that's what it was yes good, i like good that. play good play <laughs> i think it, it sounds like we're kind of coming to an end on this section i just want to kind of wrap back around to a, a broader view maybe of it and just ask why we have it because this is a chapter where danny gets a lot of information almost none of it she can use it, it's all wrapped in mystery and she doesn't understand it and can't do much with it uh -uh. but it shows us as readers, a bunch of stuff we can make a lot of information and make sure. conclusions yep. about. So it's almost like a, a chapter that he just did for us as much More as for Danny. For but it does also, I don't want to say it doesn't do anything for Danny. It shows us some things about her. It shows it us that she's, for her. yeah, she's dedicated to a path here. She, she's able to follow directions and understands the stakes of following them and does it like diligently and religious. Like she can, absolutely take a path to its conclusion in a dedicated way she also has a sense of purpose regular people don't go looking for wisdom like this if you gave me access to this place i'd be like nah 
but she has very much like a sense of knowing that she has a purpose in this world. She's not getting it, as Anne said earlier, from Karth. None of these people are giving her what she wants. She has this sense of elitism and entitlement that they don't understand in Karth, but she knows it to be true. She knows that she's better than this, and she's just pulling straws every time to try to find some way to make this meaningful. And I think that's what this is about, is her really pulling the last straw, because we see in the next chapter that she's kind of out of options in Karth after this. For sure, and it, uh, the stuff she sees here affects her big time in the coming chapters too. It adds uh, every thought Doubt, that she has mostly. seems to goes back to something that she saw in the house of dying, specifically the prophecies of three that we're going to get to later. Oh, yeah. is he one of the, you know, fires yeah. I must light or one of the, the treasons one is the big one, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is this Who's going to betray me? Yeah, it's, yeah. It adds to kind of almost a paranoia or doubt, like you said. So this is important to her, but I agree with you. And it's a note that I kind of took in the same way too of, this chapter seems like it's more for us mm-hmm. than it is for even Danny. Yeah. Which is nice of George to do. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and a good chapter to pick, Anne. Um, Anne, well, do you have anything else in this section you want to go through before we I, I think I've rambled, like, a lot. <laughs> You've Not done rambled. Great. Giving us some good stuff. I wanted yeah. to just point out the, the Red Wedding vision real quick oh, yeah, that we sure. have. The one of of uh, one that's obviously Rob there. It talks about his steel crown and everything. And at first I was like, why did she even get a vision of the red wedding? What does that matter to her? The other visions she seems to get are of Westeros as a whole with the woman being ravaged or her family with Ares and Rhaegar. Why Rob? And then I thought of the, you know, later we're going to get into probably a lot of stuff that, goes back to Jon Snow when we start talking about the prophecies of three, perhaps, maybe. Um, and it got me thinking, Rob dying brings into effect Rob's will, which brings into effect Jon Snow being the king in the north, which could obviously be very impactful to him seeming like a worthy husband or something to Daenerys. And so uh, this, you know, the Red Wedding kind of kicked that off. If she uh, knew who Rob know. was, and if she knew who John was, the reader knows all those things, though. So Again, it's, it's one of those things for us. us. Yeah. yeah, she has no idea why it's meaningful for her yet. But yeah. I wanted to ask you two as well if you had any other thoughts as to why Danny saw the red wedding and Rob Stark. No, I was going to say, you know, it's often like the way George fucks around with prophecies, you know, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think your, your, that your point is. Certainly, like, the only one I could think of, Matt, it's, mm. you know, but it could also be uh, maybe a word of warning, you know, to mm. Danny, uh, mm-hmm. re- because, and again, like, she doesn't seem, what's, what's, what's strange is, like, she doesn't react the way I wish she would react to any of those visions, you know, because Jara tries to tell her, <laughs> A, you know, like in the previous chapters, I think it's one of those conversations because it's before, like, anyway, she understands that he's betrayed her. So it's going to be around that time. Uh, a, you know, you're going to have to win over the West Rossi Lords. You can't just win over with, you know, force and dragons because they'll kick your ass and they'll betray you and they'll kill you. And here we have a vision of mm-hmm. what is for anyone the most gruesome and terrifying scene 
you know, it's like someone getting and it's you know someone getting and done at a wedding, you know, which can mm -hmm. happen to you even if you have dragons, even if you have Dothrakis, <laughs> even if you have cell swords, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it could be also a word of warning, warning. of yeah. you know, like, like what ruling Westeros could entail. I like that. Yep. So that's good. I like it. Um, again, back to the more for us than for Danny, maybe. What we have here is this is the only one of the three that isn't currently happening or has already happened. The Red Wedding one happens roughly a book from now, uh, near the end of, of the next book, A Storm of Swords. Uh, we're, we're about three-fourths of the way through A Clash of Kings in, in this chapter. Um, so it might be more of, it might be at least partially, um, hey, you don't know what this is now. If you're really clever, maybe you can figure it out. But in a book from now, you're going to realize that this thing that she saw came true and that maybe you should look at the rest of these things as legitimate. And you're right. We have the whole shade right. of the evening, how much of this is drugs, how much of this is, this is real. But, but this thing that we don't recognize right now, a book from now we're going to see it happen. And then we can go back to this chapter and be like, oh shit, maybe all this other stuff is also real and not bullshit. We should pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're kind of like uh, touch points or calibration points for us almost to say, well, if this is true, then we can reasonably infer that so is this stuff. Yeah. I'll also just like say that. real quick about the three scenes that we see in this section here. Um, we have the the woman westeros getting torn apart by kings we have the red wedding we have eris about to eris about to burn the city to the ground and then we have a, a story about a man playing a song to his child uh, as he's born that's three very negative things and one somewhat hopeful inspiring thing um i don't know what it says but it's interesting at least yeah good point and we also see that following along with kind of the hero's journey, there, there's temptations along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and the one that we get here, and we'll get a couple more, but the one that we get here is the red door with Willem Derry. Kind of that idea of safety and security that, Danny, if you wanted to, you could just go be safe. You could give up this whole Westeros thing and live in a relative sense of security and tempting her with the good life. If uh, that's what happens, she goes past I'm still that. so curious what would happen if she goes and does that. Does what happens right. if Dan if Danny doesn't take a door to the right? What happens? Mm -hmm. Well, yep. yeah, I mean, I guess we got a little bit of foreshadowing with like the closed doors with like weird sounds behind them, or those yeah. people who walked into the doors and got trapped. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, mm. we'll never know. It's Disneyland. Okay. They got people coming in all the time, and they're just wandering around and getting sucked into the doors. That's possible. Do you think there was actually a monster or something shambling after her in that hallway? Hmm. Like, if she would have sat and just waited, would a monster eventually have caught up to her, a demigorgon or something, and attacked her? It, it's interesting because, like, that sound is clearly meant to make her move. Yeah. Right? Sure. It's meant to make her make, make a her choice. Act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and she does and eventually makes the right one. Although, I guess I don't know. It, it feels 
I went. I did go back and listen to this when we covered this the last time, and uh, Brooke had an awesome. I don't know if you went and listened to that, but Brooke said she was like, "I think it's, I think it's Viserys, dragging his golden head <laughs> along, and like he's just gonna take revenge." And that's so classic, Brooke. I like that. Yeah. Like that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it was probably more of an illusion and something to get her moving and not real. Yeah, symbolic of you got to make a choice, probably of her whole uh, Westeros experience, or her whole, not Westeros experience, but this whole experience of you can't sit around forever, Danny, in Marine. Uh, You are going to have to eventually. I mean, like even when she gets to Marine later. Oh, yeah, both. Oh, yeah, it's um, a theme for her whole path. Right, yeah. Yeah. You can't sit around and prepare forever. Eventually, you're going to have to make a choice and act. So do it. Yeah. And to her credit, she makes the right choice this time. Even in the Maybe. first chapter, like we don't really have a sense of time, but like the first chapter of her first chapter, sorry, not that first chapter, her first chapter in uh, in a clash of kings in the Stoloro, you know, where like they start like repairing the city, feeding everyone, like I. You can sense that although she sent her blood riders to look for a way out, there's like that tension in her because she's also like rebuilding the city to maybe stay. She's always like kind of in between. Yeah, yeah. She, there's always that pull, right? Of she could wants to stay. Home. Yeah, she and I think home. that's that's the Willem Derry vision. That's the temptation of I just want to be home. Can and... I build my own home? Yeah. And yet she's always got this drive of this being the last Targaryen and that she doesn't fit anywhere. That home can't be the lemon tree and it can't be Vice Tolero and it can't be Karth for damn sure. And even though she tries to conquer Marine, it can't be Marine either. She's got this sort of destiny within her that means home is a is a very specific place. And I don't know, part of me wants her to figure out that doesn't have to be the case, but I doubt she will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know Westeros ain't all that great, sis. Sucks. No. (laughs) What the fuck do you want the Iron Throne for? It's just going to, like, turn people against you and murder you. But, like, to make a really, really, really terrible pun, that since we're on the drag theme, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. chasing the dragon. (laughs) She's always, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the next thing, the next, you know, hope. Yes. So, yep. Yeah. But also, yeah. she she knew she talks about her like really heart wrenching childhood of you know having to flee from place to place. Yeah. Yep. One of the other things, Scott, I liked about uh, just to, while we're talking about Brooks' contributions <laughs> when we covered this episode the first time, uh, either you or I asked the question of why do you think. It was Drogon that Danny picked to go with her. Yeah. And Brooke's response was this. Black goes great with anything. Yes. <laughs> so good. And I thought that was just a great Brooke response. It was so good. <laughs> Black uh, goes great with anything. Brooke, Brooke is amazing. And I hope those listening remember her. I remember her. You know that. Yes, I feel ma'am. like if you go back and listen to this episode, you can feel 
Matt and I grating on her with the level of detail we're trying to go in. She has just lost all patience in this episode. Just when we like covered it see her just like throw her head back into her chair. At one point, like she actually groans at me and says, oh, I didn't realize I had taken myself off mute. It's amazing. All right. Anyways. Should we get to know Anne a little bit better? I would love to. Let's do it. And I want everyone else to know her too, so... Okay. And who are you? What do you do? What drive? What would you say drives you? Oh wow. Okay. Can you, can I have a better question? Sure. Besides <sighs> the song of ice and fire, do you belong to any other? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. Let's talk about like little joints in in Utah. That I've. What little dirty joints in Utah? Utah should I go to when I come and visit you guys? Are you coming to Utah soon? Oh, John will be able to tell you. Oh, yeah, wow. John knows, John oh, wow. Did you play too much, Matt? <laughs> John knows Utah. He knows northern Utah, at least. Yeah. Yep. You didn't well, often me and John's favorite haunt, the training table, is no longer around, unfortunately. Oh, so. that's right. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but that's why we need, you know, fresh content for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get you. We got you. We got you. Yeah. You know, we can now react shack, to all. I recommend. The Shake, the shake shack. shack. Yeah. Matt yeah, and I went that's there this where, week. That's where Scad and I just had lunch this week. Okay, so... No, if you guys come, um, Scad and I will take you to Lucky 13. It's a little burger bar. It's Or really, Cotton really Bottom. Mm. Have you been gotcha. to Cotton Bottom? Uh, no, I've not been to Cotton oh, Bottom. Yeah, I've heard of it. burger that's crazy. Okay. It's a little hole-in-the-wall thing. Anyways, this is about Anne. Yeah. Stop I, time you, to try to say, change the subject, Anne. <laughs> We're talking about you. Well, you're not my <laughs> boss. <laughs> This is the sass we're talking about. You're you're the first of you're not the boss like of twenty something guests. Are you refusing to answer the who are you, what do you do, what drives you question? Because we asked it to everyone, and you're the first one to give us sass about it. Really? And if you don't want to answer, we'll move on. Am I really the first? Am, am I really the first one? Uh, we get complaints about it. Do we? Do they? Do they DM you personally? They now? say that's a heart. A hard one to answer. Oh yeah, they say it's hard. Sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Right, but we're it's not us, so. So. Well, I'm really, say, you really You really want us to move I'm on? I'm really driven about the, the idea of you know like trying burgers from the Shake Shack. Like I didn't know that, but now I really, really feel in my heart, and that you know. Something you. I know. That's I, why I, I think need... you should follow your heart. I, I know. Listen, if you, you should follow. If you it. and John come visit, we will certainly take care of you. That's why yeah. I need to be hired so I can finally have vacation time, so we can go to Utah, and I can have burgers from the Shake Shack. And yep, that's right. Yep. yep. We won't take you to Shake Shack. That's like a national chain. We'll take you. We'll take you to. We'll take spot. you to some Utahish place. Okay. Well, I I thought I okay because I didn't know because I thought maybe there was like one local because I'm like. I think there's a Shake Shack right there. Yes. But yeah, probably. I thought there was yeah. a different Shake Shack, you know, maybe, a, you know, a local one, <laughs> trademark. <laughs> nope. It, it nope. was a reasonable meal, but it's just a chain. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll take you to some local haunts. Yeah. I got a few. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, what drives me? Let's just go with one. Yeah. What drives you is a great question. I don't know why people complain about that. What drives you is a great question. Uh... I, I take have, umbrage with these complaints. Yes. I, I, my brain needs to have fun in whatever it is it is doing. 
my notion, mm. my brain's notion of fun is really weird, but <laughs> and really unique. But if my brain doesn't feel like it's having fun, it just cannot function or do what it is doing. But as you can see, I can have a lot of fun like doing number lists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. Honestly, that's a great answer to the question. I mean, your brain needs. Yeah. Stimulation. You need to enjoy. You need to enjoy whatever you're doing. Yeah. That's a great answer to that question. Right. So you you've we've talked about this a little bit. You've hinted at it even on this on this uh, podcast. But you've been away from from this fandom a bit for several years now. You haven't been super actively engaged. You're kind of on the fringes here and there, commenting and things, but but not reading, not really, not really, you know, engaging too deep with the fandom. No, I am, as you know, many of us are waiting for the next book. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Matt and I spent a bunch of time talking about that at the old Shake Shack this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you know, I know here is not the place to rehash that uh you guys you know are into positivity but yeah like i would probably like even with you know my old group we still somewhat keep in touch and would probably like re feel reinvigorated and like we had fun doing things together like re-engage correct with a new yeah. book it's yeah, I, th I said, so not to make this about us, but I said at the lunch with Matt, I said, you know, at some point it's, you know, what else do I have to say about this material? We've, you know, we've covered it to some degree. Yeah. So, but, but you have, do, I'll ask, I'll ask the question honestly, but I know the answer is yes. Do you belong to any other fandoms? I mean, I, I don't really know. I don't belong to any other fandoms. I don't even belong to the Ice and Firecon fandom. False. You definitely belong. Okay. I would. I, I, I felt like I was asking a, a critical role question, but you've also kind of distanced yourself from that one a little bit. In oh, recent months too. Yeah, I do like Dungeons and Dragons. That's uh, Dungeons and Dragons is the most wonderful thing in the world. Everyone should try to play Dungeons and Dragons at least once. You know. Okay. Okay. That's You're talking to me. Very strong. I'm, I'm talking to no. I'm talking to you, the Kalasar. You know, try and play Dungeons and Dragons. It's the most entertaining thing you can do, and it's like almost free. Almost free. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell the Kalasar why. Like, like, what is it about D and D that just kind of like reaches you in a different way than other things? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's an activity of social sharing and imagination. It's. Yeah. It's really, you know, I don't like really that much to engage with people because people are boring and I hate small talk. And, you know, <laughs> I don't want to hear about how your baby's doing or how your knee hurts or what the weather's like. But, you know, if we can engage together on, like, some elaborate or not necessarily that elaborate you know fantasy story yeah, with, with some substance yeah you know it doesn't even need to have that much substance uh in a creative way you know mm -hmm. here's the thing i love D D. I i love it i love playing i like dming uh it takes a lot out of me to to do it because I like to do it right in a way that I think is 
right, and it takes a lot out of me. But I feel like the one of the biggest pro- two two main problems with D and D is access. One, like most people don't just have access to a DM; they can just like find a game. It's pretty common. correct. Yeah, and and two, almost nobody has access to a good DM, and so most experiences are bad. Like, the, mm. the number of good DMs out there that, like, do a good job with a story and try to make it meaningful and give you story hooks and and mystery and, and social engagement like you're talking about, they're rare. So that's the biggest problem with D&D for me. We need more, better DMs. I don't know how to solve that problem. But even though I'm criticizing, I still agree with you, Aaron. Everyone should try. Well, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, my, uh, my boss at work, she recently she she's not into anything remotely like this stuff that we're into the song of ice and fire dungeons and dragons i mean like her her whole like introduction to even any kind of fiction is like going and seeing marvel movies in the theaters that's it right like that's the level of stuff that she gets into um and she married a guy that's into dungeons and dragons and She to be that supportive new wife. She went with him to play Dungeons and Dragons with his buddies. And guess what she is now? Four years later, completely hooked. I I don't, she's not DM'd, but she is completely hooked. She is part of their Dungeons and Dragons crew that goes and plays. She doesn't just like sit at his side and watch him play. Now she like has her own character. Like she does it all. She completely participates. So uh, to your point about finding the right people and um, she's, she's right there. She got in and is having a great time doing it. So. No, I mean, I totally agree about finding the right people, but that's like a problem of life. You know, yeah, just finding bomb. your people. Yeah. Is you, a, you just dropped a truth bomb. Oh my God, truth bomb. Finding, finding the right your people. tribe, Find right? People. Finding your tribe. Find them yeah. and hold on to them because yeah. they don't come easy. I know, because, I mean, it's, I, I, so I play, right now, I, I play with James, my wonderful DM, and just John as the other player, and, I mean, we're fucking shit face, so we're so happy to play just the two of us, because we just, like, would probably annoy the hell out of other people, but that's the thing, that John, this James can be really light on plot hooks because we just have sessions of just us role playing. Bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, about bullshit. And it's, you know, we have shorter sessions now because of our schedule, but yeah, of, of just, yeah, like time gets eaten up and we have a lot of fun and it's just, it's just fun. It is. So, talking about shows I like or don't like. So I was introduced to Dungeons and Dragons uh, that that we by that wonderful man in front of us, uh, named Scott, through, you know, who asked me to watch Critical Role. So start with season one of Critical Role. I continue to see with season two of Critical Role. I've had issue with how season two of Critical Role ended that will not rehash here because this is not a Critical Role podcast. Um, Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> and Critical Role is a bit of a victim of its own success. We can summarize it pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, it's been so successful that it's been, it's, frankly, I mean, 
I still love it. I still watch it every week, but it's it's become a bit corporate if you want to talk about it that way for D and D. It's mm. it's very successful to the point where they're selling merch every week on the thing, and some of the thing feels pretty, you know, driven by selling product and the new book that's coming out and all sorts of various things, right? And so it's it's hard, but they still do a great job telling stories, and it's it's still really good, and I recommend watching it. Sorry, Anne, for cutting you off. Oh, no, 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 definitely. I just didn't want to, you know, dwell too much on that. But I would like to, you know, recommend things. Uh, so recently, because I'd been, you know, busting Scott's balls a little bit about, hey, you've got to try to watch uh, things here by Brendan Lee, uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan. And because mm-hmm. he was hosting something on Critical Role recently, you discovered him, and now you're pretty much in love with that man, right? Yeah, I think he's the best DM I've ever seen, and, and I'm not super well versed, but I I worship at the at the altar of Matt Mercer, the DM for Critical Role. But Brennan Lee Mulligan blew my socks off, and very good. And Dimension Twenty, I think, is about what you're about to recommend. Yes, and the other thing I want to recommend because I want to recommend that you know mostly to you and remind <laughs> you to try it again. Dungeons Consider and me reminded. Dungeons and Daddies. Uh, for anyone who's very rule lawyer they are kind of adjacent playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know? It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. They're not very strict on the rules at all. So, you know, if that's something that's going to grind your gears, that might not be for you. But, like, <laughs> Anthony Birch is so good. I am so parasocially in love with that DM. It's It's, like you know, not, not healthy. And it's, that's the thing I want to, so they have a podcast every other week and I just can't wait for the next episode. I'm so hooked on the storyline this season. So hooked. Dungeons and Daddies, check it out. So it's like comedy D&D podcast. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's although, no, it's, it's, they're, it's very tragic. They're okay. insanely funny. But it's super tragic. Okay. All right. Some good drama there. Yeah. All right. I'll give it a shot. You convinced me. Um, Transition. You and Scad went to Ice and Firecon. You're both of your first times, right? Was together, what, four years ago now? Five Mm -hmm. years, maybe? No, it's like six. Yeah, because it was years years off. Yeah, there were two years off. This was my fourth Ice and Firecon that I just went to, I think. Yeah. And we're two years off in the middle, so yeah, it's probably six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you have? I, I'm putting myself out there. Do you have any interesting stories from that first Ice and Fire Con that you want to share? Anything like? It was know. wonderful. Yeah. Uh. You've called it summer camp for adults before. Yeah. And I've sold it to people that way. Yeah, and I think that's what everyone calls it. Uh, and it was even more. And again, like. I totally understand why they relocated to Ohio. It was in Virginia? Where was it? Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, and so like it was in a warmer climate because it's always the same time of year, last week of April. So last week of April, it was a little bit warmer. Uh, so yeah, even like the nice, although this year the weather was really wonderful in Ohio. But it's, uh, yes. we had some cold ice and fire cons. But... Yeah, like the the beautiful weather and the the place was so magical, and yeah, it's just hanging out with friends. I honestly, 
every year I don't really go to panels. I just I just go there to like hang with people and just talk and you know this yeah. year I'm I mean I I'm so glad I met B Word. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I know because I the the previous so not last year but the previous iteration she was there but I just didn't get to meet her. She's she's funny. She's she can be a bit shy at times. You gotta you gotta seek her out. She's she's great though. She's been a for the podcast for a long time. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. She's absolutely fantastic. Well. Yeah, zero question, zero question about that. And what's something in your life that you're proud of? A bunch of things. Do I need to pick? You only one? get one. <laughs> I only get one. Yeah, you can talk. Okay, I've moved around a lot. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Lived in a lot of different places, yeah. experienced a lot of different things. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like where? Is any you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not no, uh it's just I never think that's interesting. But yeah, I I lived in Japan for three years, then I moved back to France, oh. then yeah, after college, uh and you know, now I'm here and Paris in the middle at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've that's been... awesome. So cool. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pretty old, you know, so I've, I've, you know, no, it's easier to be, you know, proud of things when you're in your forties and when you're in your twenties. Okay. I want to say one thing cause we're on that. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm sorry. I adore you guys, but instead of like answering your like pre, you know, out of the box questions. I'm just gonna go on another rant. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to the Kalasar because I know you have young people in the Kalasar. Speak. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let me get the soapbox out. Let me just position it right here. Okay, and climb on. I know, and it's like Again. <laughs> incredibly difficult, incredibly fucking difficult to be young. It's so, and I'm not gonna say now. Yeah. You know, yes, yes. Because I I'm not young now, so I cannot understand exactly in 2022 what it's like to be young. It's so fucking horrible to be young. It's you feel so much like a failure sure. and like a disappointment, and like there's all the pressure in the world for you to do something that amounts to something with your life, and <laughs> then you need to fail at that a lot until you realize that that really doesn't fucking matter, and that's not at all what life is about. But yeah. until you go through like all those years of heartache, like you can't really get to it. But young people in the Kalasar, you're not a failure. That's not how life works. That's a fucking myth that is brought onto your head by, you know, capitalistic, paternalist, so, you know, social constructs. That is not what life is about. Yay! Yeah. Yay! Need, I'm gonna like cut that out, that soundbite, and we're just going to um, post it where just people can listen to it at any time that they want to. Yeah, no, that's so just and saying that. I almost just look at young people and I just say, I hope, I hope the mistakes that you make while you learn that mistakes are okay and that you don't know what the hell you're doing and that's also okay. I hope that they don't ruin you. Like, like commit you to things and paths that you're not comfortable with later. Because so many people get tied up in their life and living 
with these paths they've chosen because they felt this pressure like you're talking about yeah. to succeed or to make money right. or to like yep. fulfill expectations of a father or a grandfather or a mother or whatever that they just get tied into this path and they don't they're not they don't end up living for themselves and they wake up and they're 35 oh my god is this autobiographical maybe but they wake up and they're 35 and it's like i didn't i didn't even realize how i got here i just ended up here because yep society told me to exactly yep, right. society told you to but that's that a was fucking, my college experience that's yeah. a fucking myth that doesn't yeah. have to be right. you can start you know your revolution right now it doesn't have to be that means nothing can fail in ways that help them instead of ways that trap them yes and i you know and i do realize that you know i partially speak from a pre you know a position of privilege and that there are realities of life you can't just do absolutely everything you want but we're so when we're younger we feel so trapped by expectations so trapped by expectations and that makes us feel like failures because we can never live up to that but that's an illusion you're doing great you're doing great Kalisar. You're doing kings and queens yeah chat with us on twitter we'll make you feel better and chat with ann on twitter she'll make you feel better <laughs> or not i don't know you will you will that was a very inspiring advice it's maybe that was very it's inspiring maybe the best, that's what I'm saying. it's maybe the best answer to the question what is something in your life that you're proud of that we've ever given even though it didn't answer the question it was great it was such a good answer <laughs> it was really good um, I want to know why you chose this chapter. You mentioned that you're not doing a ton of reading of A Song of Ice and Fire these days. What uh, led you to The House of the Undying and Danny Four? Well, honestly, it's an iconic chapter. And I saw it was not in the mm-hmm. list of the chapter I'd been covered. I was shocked. I'm like, no one picked that one? Right. I'm it's actually surprised at some of the chapters that have not been selected for Meet the Kalisar. Yeah. And then conversely, some of the ones that have. It's like, oh, that one? Yeah, and they've all ended up being fantastic. I mean, but, I'm still stunned yeah. the Marathon Tyrion one hasn't been chosen. Where he goes around, like, trying to bait the different... Uh, oh. Uh, Varys and, and Baelish. And, Littlefinger. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He like, tries to bait them to see who they're loyal to. It's yeah. A great chapter. No one ever picks it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, basically... It is a great chapter. Yes, Kat told me. Yeah, all, this, all the brand chapters I've been taking. <laughs> no, just I know your favorite one. The 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 night of laughing chapter has been taken. Well, yeah. I mean, I also love all the ones from A Dance with Dragons. Yeah, there's some good shit in there. Yeah. Yeah. The moon was a crescent. I know. Uh, shall we move on to summary part two? Yeah, let's let's dive into it. Well. Danny's reward for solving that last problem of no door on the right is more rooms with doors. To the right she goes, always to the right, until she sees Pied Priest standing outside beneath the trees, seemingly just where he left them. He urges her to come to him. She must have taken a wrong turn. He can help her. But the door was to her left with another unopened door to her right. That is not the way, Pia urges. Come, the undying will not wait forever. But Danny remembers Pia's own advice. Our lives are no more than a flicker of a moth's wing to them, she repeats back to him. And she takes the door on the right. 
Yeah, her reward is stairs. Stairs and stairs and stairs that adored her right made of ebony and weirwood, beautiful and yet terrifying. And beyond them a room filled with people, men in fancy robes and elaborate armor, women in beautiful dresses. At the head, a richly dressed man in a crown welcomes her. Daenerys of House Targaryen, be welcome. Come and share the food of forever. We are the Undying of Karth. Finally, she has found them. They knew she was coming. Send a comet to bring her. They promised magic weapons, knowledge, and all of her questions answered. Then he steps forward, but Dragon is wary, flying back to the door, perching on it and screeching and worrying at the door. Danny knows to trust Drogon's instincts and closes the open door he's tearing at, revealing another old narrow door behind it, yet another door to her right. She goes through and away from these undying ones that offered so much. A long stone table with a blue human heart floated above it. Blue shadows sat at the table as the heart beat above them, each time sending out an indigo wave of light as it pulsed. Mother of dragons... The voices hissed at her, echoing in her brain, many voices. She introduces herself. But they don't answer. So she continues, Grant me your counsel and speak to me with the wisdom of those who have conquered death. But the figure stands there still, withered and old and breathing. Could they be dead? We live. And no, no, no. Their voices echo in her mind. She asks urgently again, grasping, grasping about the things she saw in the long hall. Are they true? Visions? Tell me a friggin' bone here. But they prevaricate, not answering anything directly. Mother of dragons, child of three. Three heads has the dragon. Three fires must you light. One for life, one for death, and one to love. Three mounts you must ride, one to bed, one to dread, and one to love. Three treasons will you know, once for blood, once for love, and once for gold. But as she hears these things, she knows that her heart is in time with the blue heart above the table, and that her heartbeat is slowly and her breathing as well. It was so hard to talk. She begs for help. She doesn't understand. But all she gets is a flurry of more visions with more hissing and vague phrases. Rapid fire version. Viserys' crown of gold, a conquering lord with the burning city behind him, a man with rubies spilling from his chest, daughter of death. A red sword in the hand of a blue-eyed king who casts no shadow, a cloth dragon, a stone dragon emerging from a smoking tower. Slayer of lies. Her red silver by a stream under a sea of stars. A corpse at the prow of his ship. His gray lips smiling. A blue flower growing in the chink of ice. Bright of fire. The visions continued. Most she'd lived through, but one unrecognizable as slaves grabbed at her legs, tearing at her clothes and skin, calling her mother. They needed her. They wanted her, and she opened her arms to give herself to them. But Drogon's wings interrupt the indigo visions and reveal the undying ones all over Danny, clawing at her, 
all over her, twisting her nipple, biting her neck, sucking at her eye, twining fingers through her hair and pulling. Her strength had left her. Dragon was above her, tearing at the heart with his claws, ripping it to pieces and breathing fire at the undying ones below. Danny got up and ran, calling to Drogon to come as she neared the door she had come through, the whole room ablaze behind her. Down a hallway she ran and ran until one door lay in front of her. Searching through it, she spilled outside. Pyat Pri was there, mad and cursing, and the palace of dust was smoking behind her. Pyat came at her with a knife, but her blood riders intervened and subdued him. Danny knelt in the green grass as Jorah put his arm around her shoulder. Boom. Okay. So we get some more stuff here. Um, should we just dive right into the visions? Right into the three? Okay. The prophecies of three? Well, first, so, like, is... So do we think it's the real Pietri that she sees, or just a vision? Of the house or drugs. Yeah, the one the at the one end that she, she sees, sees is... inside. Yeah, the one the that one says that's like. Oh yeah, the one that screeches. No, me. to me, come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I... that's another one of those temptations. Yeah, uh, test. Yeah, I agree, but it is interesting. It's a little meta. Yeah, because right? Pyatt gave her the specific directions to do the opposite, and now this Pyatt's saying, "Don't do that. Come to me." Um, the magic of the palace is using Pyatt against himself yeah. if, in fact, what he wants is for her to get through it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Do, you have a, do you have a different take than that? Do you think it was the real one? I, no, I don't really know. Well, I, know, I don't think it's his, his face probably in order changing it to uh, something pale and warm-like. Which also made me think of uh, like things with the genre of the forest because I'm just, just so single-minded. But uh, and also it was really cool and horrific. But I I don't I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know at that point. You know. I mean, it totally could have been him that he's like, okay, she's in the house now. I need to go to this room and wait for her to give her the the temp- my temptation spiel to see if she'll continue on or not. Changing to something pale and worm-like. Yeah, it's interesting language, Anne. So gross. So yeah. gross. Pale Ooh. and worm-like just is gross anyways. But, yeah, or a temptation, or... Well, that's really not the right door. Like, well, should... it's, a, it's a trick. It's a trick, right? She's She's been going so long, running down this hallway, trying to go through the right doors. She's Mentally, shown that she probably... obviously trusts him. Yeah. Because she's followed his direction. And so maybe if we think of the house as a sentient being, maybe it's like, oh, she'll listen to Pyatt. Let's give her a Pyatt vision to bring her out. Okay, but then then it's really interesting because who's controlling the house? Because that's the thing. It's like if we think that she finally gets to the undying ones, if that's who she sees at the end, we have zero confirmation of that. Still remember. Like, so... It's, it's it's kind of like why my would overarching guys, question about the whole chapter. I know if that's if those guys want to, as you're assuming, drain her lifeblood. Why would they also send a vision of the guy she trusts to try to derail her 
Because okay, from reaching them. Because you could see yeah. the the vision of Derry wasn't necessarily there to derail her. You know, you know, you could, but that one is specifically there to derail her on that path, of the path that would lead her to them. So why would they put a vision? Like, are there like different factions of you know? It's maybe. My, my biggest question about the whole chapter: What happens if she goes through the door? It's the first, if I were Danny, you know, I'm I'm very detail oriented. If somebody told me you must not go through the door, me and my son Mary are both going to ask the exact same question in the exact same time. Why not? What happens if I do? Like what what happens if I go follow Willem Derry? What happens to me? What's what's worse? Like. We don't know much at the beginning of the chapter, but knowing how the chapter ends, what's worse than what happens at the end when they're tearing her apart? What could, what's, does she become one of the creatures banging on the walls that's just stuck there? Yeah, again, that's I, I, I don't expect an answer. I don't think anyone has an answer. It's just, it, again, it goes maybe back to this chapter's for us and not for Danny. We're supposed to see these visions and get something out of them and maybe not really supposed to ask the question of what if she went through one of the doors. Uh, yeah, Cause... but then we're like, okay, I, I, I respect that. But then why are we analyzing those books? You know, like, that was like, oh, yeah, but George is really, like, just throwing in, like, some cheap things for the readers and, like, you know, like, that's not really worth, you know. So, like, no, we've got to, like, stick to the logic of the book thinking George has planned that and that was so early on, you know, when it was still, like, before the 500 occurrence of wherever whores go, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, still really, really, really to his books, pre-Red Wedding. So, like, that's super planned out. That's super POV'd. That must have some sort of logic. I will. I've never, I've never seen anyone address this question. Of what would happen if she followed Willem Derry, or what if she happened if she'd fallen by a pre? Yeah, I think the. But yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, mostly my question is like, what's the purpose of that pie pre vision again? Like, either it's real pie pre, which we don't really think it is, you know, who's trying to save her, and then it's not a vision. He's really trying to like bring her to the right room, which could make sense, or it's a vision. But then it's not brought by the undying ones. I think it's just meant to show us more about Danny. It's meant to show us how smart she is, how good she can be at following the rules and following a path. And just she is able to recall the our lives are like a moth's wings or whatever the phrase yeah. was. It's just meant to show us that Danny is cagey and smart and can figure this out. That's all I got. I think the whole point. So I take it back. I don't know for sure because I can't explain why they would give her visions in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they are trying I, I think the house, the undying ones, the undying ones feed off souls and that's how they remain undying. I think they have to feed off souls. They talk about how, um, people, a lot of people go into the house of the undying and they They'll don't never come out, out. right? Mm-hmm. And they, they like suck their souls and that's what keeps the undying ones alive or still moving, still animated. Um, and so I think that she she's passing these series of tests 
almost as a way for them to see, to gauge, you know, what kind of, (laughs) for lack of a better word, nourishment Mm. she is going to be for them. Uh, You know, the stronger she is of character or the stronger she is of these natural abilities that she has. And as the mother Mm. of dragons, maybe the more she can sustain these undying ones. Right. It's the difference between like if Shipmouth were to go into the house of the undying, he would be like a Tootsie roll for them. Whereas if Danny went in, she would be like a full course steak dinner. Right. (laughs) To really sustain them hardcore. And yes, I just came up with that comparison off the top of my head. It's really good. I'm just glad you went with Shipmouth. That was a really good poll. (laughs) But um, so so I think all of this is meant to kind of be like, what path is she going to follow? Is she really what we think? Is she really going to be that nourishment that we need? So let's put these things out and see what she chooses. Ah, she chose right. She chose right. She chose right. Bring her in. All right, let's have some dinner. And so that's why I said that I think Pyat Pri is almost like a trafficker of souls. Like he is vetting souls to bring to the undying ones. And that's like his job. If, if I can pull on that thread for just a minute. So if, if they're just kind of gauging her level of nourishment, they're going to eat her anyway. They just want to see what they're getting. It's almost like they've been around for thousands of years. Let's play a game. We're bored. Let's see what nourish. Let's pleasure delay. To quote yeah. Vanilla Sky. Like, they, and maybe the ones that leave the House of the Undying are the ones that they decided this isn't worth it. They're the shit mouths, right? Mm. That, and, and the ones that are tasty, like Danny, are the ones that Negative energy. Shit mouth's just going to give us negative energy. We don't want them. Maybe it would have been better for these people if, they, if, if Danny, if she'd listened to Pyat Pri, they would have kicked her out before she even got it. He's like, oh, she didn't pass the test. We're kicking her out of the house. You, know? you mean the maybe. second Pyat Pri? Yeah. The, the fake temptation one. pipe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or any of them, or Willem, or if she had gone and talked to Rhaegar, or... Right, yeah. That they would have kicked her out. Interesting. But, okay. It's a way of thinking about it that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. And that I did this time, after yeah. 10 years of reading these books, or however long it's been. But, so, okay, so it's never too late to read the books. But okay, so yeah. then, I'm sorry, but that then, then, then brings a, a, a... I'm opening a can of worm. So, then, what kind of nourishment... Do we think Euron is was is he's got all that shit of the evening? Has he met yeah. the you know? I mean, so he hasn't met the undying ones, because uh, obviously they were burned at that point. But yeah, they're gone. The undying ones are gone. Yeah, they're gone. But also, but are, are they like? Is there something that's just you know? Like yeah. he, he got all that shit of the evening and the warlocks. Uh, I can't mm. remember. Again, because the, the timeline gets really mixed up in my head. If he's described as having blue lips before, like when he's first described as having blue lips, like if we know when he started. You're on? Yeah, you're on. I don't remember him having blue lips at the very beginning. Maybe though. I don't remember. It's a good question. Certainly in the Forsaken chapter. Yeah, and if he's for crows too, like yeah. he drinks it mm-hmm. and he has that. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he drinks it when he's naked in front of Victorian, right? That was the chapter that he gets with, with John, wasn't it? Yes, and, yeah, and that w- was the chapter we did with, where they uh, take the shields. Yeah, yeah, and was he drinking shit of the evening in that one? He was. He's drinking. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's drinking it in the room later, and he's got blue lips. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. 
Yeah. In the room there, are we standing yeah. naked by the window? And Victoria was like really, really upset by it. Like, you can't just be naked around me, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that dude has that vision of Blood Raven and also like Gandai was. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He's got kind of both. He's coming at it from both ends. Mm-hmm. But like, um, what kind of nutri- nutrition would his soul have been for the undying ones? <laughs> I imagine, I imagine they would have cast him out. But then again, <laughs> I hate Euron more than most. Not yummy. Um, but to just cast doubt on my theory is why give Danny all of these visions and prophecies if you're just gonna eat her? I don't. Is that just to like keep her going? But well, I mean, you don't need to keep her going. If she just follows the rules and sees no vision, she'll keep going and find you. Exactly. So, again, if, the you, if they're just going to steal her, her soul, if they're just going to steal her soul, why give her these prophecies about the three, you know, fires and mounts and treasons and everything? Why even bring that stuff up? I suppose it does. It yeah. does. When she gets to when she finally does get to them, she's so distracted by those visions that she keeps asking questions. It gets distracted more and more and more. And maybe that gives them the ability to swoop to in and take advantage. Yeah, to pounce. Maybe. To throw her in the cauldron. Just keep as it her were. brain so guessing so guessing that she can't defend herself, maybe. Ah, so maybe these prophecies mean nothing and they were really just meant to distract her, throw her off. I don't know. I, we know that they come true, though. We know that they're real. We know there's magic in this house. That, like... For as, as much as she burns them and tears the heart to shreds, there is magic here. They're showing yeah. us visions that the reader knows to be true. Yeah. There's magic here. I mean it's I, a flat house that has tons and tons of stairs. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. just in the physical nature of the yeah. magic of the house. But I'm still not sure they're really clawing at her. You know. I'm sure we'll get there when we get there. Let's mm. go to the visions. Let's get there now. We did it. Let's get there. Well no, let's let's do the visions. We wanna talk we all wanna talk about the visions. And all right, all right. I'm just gonna say what okay. what like because again, chapters uh that's a linchpin chapter in the book. You know, I've I've I know I took notes at some point in my life on that chapter. For the life of me I could not find my notes. Like I've I it's gotta be on a whole hard drive. I don't know where. <laughs> I could not find my notes again, which, because I know I had really good notes. That's the, the thing that annoys me the most. I don't always go back and listen to our old episode where we cover really these. Good <laughs> but I did this time because I was like, ah, oh, maybe they can give me some, some cheat sheet ideas of what we used to think. Right. And so I went and listened, but I found I found it better to go and try to look fresh. Mm-hmm. But something that's interesting, just as we kick off this section about yeah. these, is that Piat Pre, I didn't know it. Well, I must have read it before because I've read this chapter so many times already. But Pre gives special emphasis on listen well to what the Undying tells you. Yeah. So it's like the visions, everything that we saw before that we discussed in section yeah. one, the Rhaegar stuff, the Ares stuff, John or uh, Rob Stark. It's kind of like whatever. Talk to him if you want. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're there. Interact as you will, whatever, but pay close attention to when the undying start talking. Yes. Yeah. And so this is the stuff that uh, that George really wants us to pay attention to and that Danny does pay attention to. We talk about it, Scad, when we covered this with uh, originally on the podcast about she only remembers this stuff about the three things and da-da-da-da-da, but really she's taking Pre's advice and trying to mm. pay special attention to what we're about to talk about now. 
even though he tries to stab and murder her and maybe she shouldn't take his advice at all. Yeah. He is not happy when... But she still does it. She's she still like, oh, well, this still was probably the right advice. <laughs> uh, okay. So, do we do we want to start with the horror scene of the Purple Heart beating and sending waves of light? Because it's an amazing visual. Yeah. Yeah, that's Before weird, we huh? get into the visions. It's pretty great. What do you like about it? Um... It's just very sci-fi and very magic. We don't get... Mm. We talk about this on the podcast sometimes. Like, this is a magic series, but, like, kind of like Lord of the Rings, as magic as the series is, you don't see a lot of it. Yes. You don't, you don't see a lot of magic events. And this is... There's a floating purple heart in the middle of the room, and every time it beats, it sends out a pulse of indigo light. And it's awesome. And you can hear it. It's like, thump. It's almost like a club or something, right? Where it's like sending out light along with the sound. It's just, I don't know, man. It's its very powerful. I love it. And that and, indigo and, light illuminating the undying ones there. Yes. Just like giving you these quick glimpses of boom. And, she's and the visions are also in indigo. So I imagine the heart almost powering the visions too, mm, right? Yeah. Sending out pulses of yeah. the visions that she's seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creepy. It's amazing. It, I love, I mean, I went back and I don't watch the show, as Anne mentioned, but I went back and I'm like, did... Did they do any of this? Oh, no. I can't remember. Oh, no, they, it was I, they so didn't. underwhelming. It was really bad what they did. This was in early days. I mean, they didn't have the budget they had in the later seasons, but they didn't do a good job with it. Wasn't there like Khal Drogo was in the... Yeah, the the uh... one vision I think they really give her is one of a happy life with Khal Drogo and her baby. And but then she go. she like yeah. hears the dragon screeching. She's like, oh, this isn't real. I gotta leave. But then what she finds, she actually has a good reason to go in in the show. I can't believe I'm the one giving show commentary. Uh, she has a good reason to go in in the show. Piat Prius like captured her dragons. Yeah. They're like chained up, which is not oh, all the thing. Yeah. No, he, in the show, he did steal our dragons. Yeah. So he has them. And so she has to go get them from the House of the Undying. And then uh, like, instead of, in you know, attacking the Purple Heart or lighting up the undying ones she just they just light up Piat pre himself right like as, a, as a proxy it's pretty pretty poorly done comparatively because mm. what a great scene this would be if you got the purple heart like up there dun, like dun, yeah dun, no plus the dun, only thing amazing yeah that got us excited was because she would then walk in the show she walks into the throne room and there's snow so we thought oh that's foreshadowing that we're gonna have the oh yeah the white and the white walkers white walkers like get all the way to king's landing and that's yeah, yeah. where they went apparently so um do you want to talk about the the three of each yeah the, oh, the season yes. three so you got Three fires you must light. They're the first, the first group of three that they bring up. So yeah, yeah. Uh, three a life of death, and one to light. Okay, but one, one to for love. life, one for death, and one to love. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. One for life, one for death, for one to, to love. Yep. Changes the love the being the common uh, of all the three. Love is mentioned each time. Yeah, uh, uh, one to love, second one is to love, and the last one is for love, if it matters. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and any takes on this? Yeah, I want to talk about the three motive more, but yeah, I, I, you know, again, we can't know 
again, it's entirely speculation. The, you know, and there are things where I'm, you know, honestly going to stick to the Phantom's canon. Like the first one being, you know, Dragon, so one for life, Dragon's Pyre, which birthed mm-hmm. the dragons. Right, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, the two love ones for love, the, the love ones at the end, I'm like, you know, I don't like the, I, I do not like the Danny and John thing, thing. so I don't even want to think about that. I can understand why it makes sense in the context of the chapter, but, uh, you know, yep. you know, but, uh, so, uh, the death one, and I'm, something that's to do with the, you know, the other cows that were formed, you know? Mm. So, but in the visions, she clearly has the vision later of her under the uh, Mother of Mountains. So, yeah, she does. Yep. And yeah, I mean, the so the one to love again, like that, if we were to say that that old love thing at the end is John, John thing. Uh, so it could be fire with uh, White Walkers, the undead, uh, you know, that bird. Uh with him being the chink in the blue wall, if yeah, he's dead, the one to light could be that she has a or... has a play in his resurrection. Yeah, yeah. if we call it that. Although yeah, that would not that's really where... make. Okay. Yeah, I don't see how that would work in the timeline. Right, because it seems like she's still a long ways away from him. Yeah, like can't be that long. Would he... She's. I mean, she's got to get there eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quick George is going to move, but. But like you, yeah, for we me, know the, she's not going to arrive at the wall. I mean, that would be, oh. yeah. She's gonna. You I don't, don't think know. she's gonna go to the wall? Is that what you said? Uh, arrive, like you know, like oh. she's not. She's not. That not long now, yeah, yeah. Like from not not in time to resurrect John. Yeah, yeah that's. I but, he's I mean, dead already, and she's still bleeding in the bleeding in the tall grass. Yeah. Um, uh, the three fires that you must light. I thought of the first, the obvious fire with Miri Mazdur. Uh, one for life because it gives life to dragons, right? Yep. One for death. I actually think it's this one. It's the undying. Oh. It's to kill the undying. One fire that she's lighting now for the undying. It motivates her to get out of Karth. It moves her to a next stage in her journey. And the one to love I'm concerned about too, Anne. I don't love the Danny and John thing. But I've come to a theme where I think actually the one to love and once for love is John in all three cases. Me too. And so I'm going for John here for the fire. Even if we don't like it. Yeah. John is John is has gone for love once with Egret. He's focused on his duty. His head is to his duty. He's committed to his vows, kinda at least. Um, and she's got to light that fire in him to get him to be. Well, I have. I think a dragon rider, but I know that differs from the show and everything else that's happened. But um, that's that's my take on the three fires. So yeah, the I three... mean, but like, you, okay, you must light a fire to love, right? That's the way the sentence is constructed. Yeah. So two in one sense, like towards love, or to be able to love. You must light a fire to love. Yeah, yeah but to be it, able, to in herself the sense too. Of... I mean. Yeah, it, it might it might be a it might be a comment about her really opening up her heart instead of her. Yeah, because uh, there's there. Lust. Are... I mean, so she marries his dar, 
because so she loved I, I think she grew to love drogo i mean there's oh yeah definitely interesting stockholm yeah. shit going on you know it's not the perfect setup for a relationship there's a lot of problems there but i think she grew to love him really indeed oh yeah no question. Yeah, i mean and, um, and i am not she definitely has stockholm syndrome real bad but she doesn't know she has stockholm syndrome so in her eyes yeah. she loves him yeah. right so fair uh she is currently with dario currently was recently with dario but i don't think that's love really uh, she's with his daughter. It's definitely not love. No, I mean, I don't, I and I don't she's... think yeah, those marrying characters are part of her prophecy. So, to some degree, maybe it's not. It's not lighting the fire, one to love for John. It's lighting a fire within herself to love again. Yeah, because uh, and that could be. But, uh, yeah. Because they're all her like thinking. Oh, I you know I can't have a. A child anymore so w- w- which man would marry me you know like allowing herself to love I, th- I think it's a reasonably common thing in life for someone to find a love and lose them and then not want to open up again mm-hmm. and i think she's got to light that fire in her to have it be meaningful and to create all to create the dragon rider create the change for this Mm-mm. this life in general that's and, my and... take on the light on the fires if it is Jon Snow being that one to love, igniting that passion, it, John is very much a dutiful Eddard Stark type character, and mm-hmm. maybe she needs to help awaken within him kind of that more passionate the side. Yeah, the fire. Yeah. So um, we've got the mounts you must ride, one to bed, one to dread, and one to love. Yeah. So, yeah, here there with, you know, like, or silver, which is again the kind of fandom accepted one. Uh, the one to dread again because we had that in the vision. I went with a Greyjoy ship mm-hmm. because that's probably the ones that you know are the most likely to lead her to Westeros. So she could fly to Westeros, you know. That's good. So I don't know. I'm throwing. A Greyjoy ship in the mix because it's 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 pretty dreadful. Yeah, I actually like the idea of the of Greyjoy too. It could be um, something she dreads because she doesn't like it. She does not like what the Greyjoys stand for. Just mm-hmm. maybe the thought. I imagine the thought of just everything the Greyjoys are just kind of being a little appalling to Danny, especially if it's Victarion or Euron that she's meeting. Either one of those two. She can't like what she's seeing, but she will like the ships. And so she's like, okay, I've got to do this because I need these ships, but I dread it. I'm not going to like it. Or she, or, I mean, it's one to dread. We don't know who's going to dread them. It could be, oh, you guys are like dreaded by the Westeroses. Maybe you could be my ideal army, you know? Mm. Sure. Yeah. Mm. I also thought on the dread one, uh, Drogon being a mount she must ride, him being black, you know? Valerion the Black Dread. Um, yep. So I know it's just because I put a dragon as the one to love because I prefer like she loves her dragon. There are babies, you know. It's not obviously like yeah, yeah. That could be no, sexual love. Loved, he would but... <laughs> he would turn into Drogon the Dread, right? That's where my head is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My one to bed is Drogo, but I don't like that one. I don't know what one to bed really means. I don't. I don't have a good answer for that one. I think Drogon is the one to dread. Drogon will become like Valerion the Black Dread. 
that's my opinion. And then one to love again. I'm thinking it's John. Well, yeah, but, th- but those are not mounds. Like, how is John a mount? He's gonna ride like well, sexually. Yeah. She she taught she taught Drogo cowgirl. Yeah, she's gonna. In yeah. Reaver's yep. cowgirl. <laughs> but I, what? But which which one does the silver fit? One to think, bed, one to Drogo. Well, she bed. she rode her rode silver. Too bad. Yeah, t- too bad. With Drogo well, the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I do like that the silver kind of symbolizes okay. not only her marriage to Drogo because he was silver was the wedding gift, yeah. but also just her connection to Dothraki culture. Right when she was so worried and scared about everything, she loved her silver, and it was her silver that that calmed her. And it's kind of been this thread that's run through that's kind of kept her connected, besides her blood riders to the Dothraki. So. I just don't like the silver being attributed to be one to bed she got a lot out of out of the silver but it was i don't like tying it to sex yeah she bed, wrote it what bed she, means she wrote it to bed <laughs> the first yeah, time the first time i guess so yeah okay. all right fine and uh we're kind of just skipping over these loved ones because like yeah it's john snow well, well, I, I, I don't again. love it, but I don't have an alternative right <laughs> exactly, now. Exactly. I need more dragon because she loves her dragon, you know. She does. Yeah. I've, I've got John question mark and Drogon question mark mm. next to love on my little bullet list here. Okay. Treasons you will know. One for blood. I mean, one it feels for... like it's Miri, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like that's, you know. Again, because going through, you know, periods of life, yeah, I put Mary too. And we don't know if that's Mary. We'll never really know. You know, we can just go with yeah. what we is most commonly assumed. Uh, I mean, we'll never really know. Maybe was eight all over with, you know, George will be like, well, let me explain to you everything I meant. Let's hope so. <laughs> I hope I get that. Uh, but yeah, and like, you know, Mary wanted revenge with blood magic so yeah yeah it was really a treason for yeah. blood like her blood for the blood of my people i agree mary mazdor on that one the once for gold is the one that gives me trouble to be honest with this one um mm-hmm. i did put just also because of the name and that's where she's at and you know that might be a good kick in the butt for the, the golden company I don't know. I like that. No, oh, interesting. I yeah. again. I'm, no, I like that one. I didn't have that one written down, but I like it. Because I mean, oh, they're I, on I her really side like right it. now, but they switch sides so often. They're with Tyrion. Maybe you know. It, it, oh, they're with Aegon right now. Oh, they're with Aegon. Oh, that's true. They're with Aegon. So like, yeah, they've betrayed her. They're supposed to be the bastion of of uh, honoring Tar- Targaryen. And... Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, no, they're not Targaryen. They're Blackfire. Blackfire. Beneath the gold, the bitter steel. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it doesn't fit quite as well as I wanted to. Maybe these are. Okay, so who's the one? I'm sorry. Fit. So maybe we should erase that. Who are the ones who have uh, flip flops so often in World with Tyrion's right now? Uh, well, Tyrion. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Tyrion right now is with the. Uh, the second sons yes the second sons yeah yeah so they did betray her right for for gold i mean for their lives kind of and for gold they did 
Yeah. I had Zaro yeah. as well, question mark. He betrays her later, but that doesn't feel important enough to, to be on the list. Yeah, there's Jorah, there's Brown Ben Plum. Yeah, but... Just, um, Jorah doesn't do it for gold, though. No. He doesn't... He, oh, are we still talking about... Yeah, he doesn't... Well, we can talk about any of them. Yeah, because then the thing is, like, then a lot of people talk about Barristan possibly switching to Fagon, but he wouldn't... Like, Barristan would not do that for gold. So, yeah, yeah. it's a treason, and she's going to try to pin it on one of those treasons, you know? Like, which treason could it be? But we we're pretty sure that Barristan is very likely that he would. I mean, I think it's a it's a strong possibility that he would could betray Danny for someone. That one could be for blood. I mean, that one could be for blood. Yeah, again, because it would be we already the blood, have blood. The blood, blood of the dragon. The most genuine blood We've of the dragon. We've already locked the blood in. Well, yeah, but again, that's the thing. It doesn't matter because what matters is that she's obsessed with those prophecies. That's what yes, is exactly. really important. What matters is how these prophecies affect Danny. I know. Absolutely. And this treasons one is probably... I'm here, sitting here pointing to my other monitor. You can mm. see my finger wagging. Bad prophecies. Um, that's that's this treasons one is probably the biggest one, the one that sticks with her the most. It adds that paranoia. Who's going to betray me? Okay. she's yeah. constantly asking those questions. Okay, so that's her Maggie the Frog. So when Piat says, "Listen to mm. that," mm-hmm. yeah. maybe they're just peeling bullshit because he doesn't mean anything, and she could really stick anything to that. You know what I mean? I mean, like, specifically that part. That means nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're desperately grasping at straws to stick things to it, but nothing is given there. The ones, you know, the ones before, the ones after, we get more details. Here, nothing. So, like, you know, could it be just given to her for some ulterior motive that, you know, Pietri or the Undying have, you know, to make her, like, paranoid or something? Mm-hmm. Yes, could yep. be. Yeah, These. I agree. The three fires, you must light the three mounts, you must ride the three treasons, you'll suffer. It's almost like, remember that, uh, remember the game M.A.S.H. we used to play when we were kids? We'd have to, like, oh. draw all the yeah. little, like, this is the house you live in, this is the career you'll have, this is who you'll marry. It's almost like one of those, right? Yeah. Anne has no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. This is a game American children play where they try to forecast who they're going to marry and what career they'll have. Wow. It's almost like she's just thinking about... Kids, that what, was a bad these... game. Don't play that game. It, yeah, it, don't play none game. of them, none of it ever came true for me. So, I mean, at one point during MASH, it said I would live in a house, and I do live in a house. So You live in a house. Yeah, that's all the, yeah. that game ever said. Anyway, wasn't there like mansion and so weren't there like oh yeah, well yeah, you, or am yeah. I thinking of the game of life? Mansion, apartment, shack, and house. That was mash. Mansion, apartment, shack, house. I I think I actually okay yeah I've done all of those. Uh, yeah, even the shack. You've lived in a mansion, be. Matt. Uh, you bet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> Should we move on past these three? Do we have more on these three um, fires, no. mounts, or treasons? I mean, are we going to get to like Daughter of Death, Slayer of Lies, yeah. Oh, yeah. fire stuff? Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. The Daughter of Death stuff is interesting to me. Um, she sees these visions of all the men in her life Mm-mm. dying, right? Yes. Viserys, Rhaegar, Rhaegar. 
And um, although her vision of Rego is different, right? Yeah, it's, it's a well. Well, she doesn't see how Rego dies. She sees what Rego could have become. Could have become. Yeah. yeah. And it hit me more than ever on this chapter that the death of Rego, obviously a very traumatic experience for her, is what clears the way for her to become this conquering queen that she needs Mother to of dragons. If yeah. Rego had lived, he'd be the stallion that mounted the world, apparently, by so the prophecy says, Mace yep. Windu voice. Um, and I imagine she would kind of take this oh. Cersei-type role of queen regent, uh-uh. right? Where she's kind of the mother of the stallion that mounted the world. So it took even Rego dying for her to be able to become who she thinks she's supposed to become. Yeah, that's why. And that, which is really interesting. That speaks to the phrase daughter yep. of death. Ex- daughter of death. Exactly what if I was going to these three men hadn't died, you would not be who you are. You are a, you are now, as you're born, as you're reborn with these dragons, the mother of dragons, you are a daughter of death. Had these things not happened, you would not be who you are. Ares had to die. Rhaegar had to die. Viserys had to die. And sadly enough, Rago had to die too. Yeah, totally. Okay, so isn't that crazy? Okay, so see now, just so can we go back a little bit before because we're making the point with, you know, mother of dragon, daughter of death. But before we had mother of dragon, child of three, mother of dragon, child of storm. Mm. So mm-hmm, child mm-hmm. of storm, you know, it's uh, gonna go with born at Dragonstone. Yeah, you know, was, you know yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Daenerys Stoneborn. Uh, but also like, yeah. so child of three, so having the same idea as daughter of, you know, like you're made who you are by, so like you can only be where you're meant to be because of those, you can only like complete your arc because of those three things. But like the dragon must have three heads, you know, and our ups, uh, prophecy obsessed Rhaegar, because that's just a phrase that I think he pulled off from, what was that, the dreams? Of wasn't that something from like the the dreams and potent of uh, Aegon's like mother or grandmother or I I think I think uh, it may just come from the fact that Aegon and Rhaenys and uh, Visenya Visenya thank you man. yeah uh, Rhaenys Visenya and Aegon were the three heads of the dragon. Right. Yeah. I mean, before 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 the Targaryens, we have to. Remember, I mean, there were dragons all over Valyria, and all this prophecy and all this limited lore didn't exist. They were commonplace, right? So, I feel like three heads of the dragon came from Aegon, Visenya, and Rhaenys. Uh-uh. Right. Is that not true? Feels true. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Could be. But it also feels. I don't know. Kind of feels like BS to me. <laughs> How many Targaryens ruled without three heads of the dragon? Lots well, of it's one of those things. It happens all the time, right? Is like it has to be this way because it's always been that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, does it? Or or because it was not because it's always been this way, or because it's been this way in the past. Well, there were three heads of the dragon before, so obviously there has to be three again. In the golden Ooh, era, there were three, right? And so there should be three again. But, like, for 150 years, there were not three. There were just whoever. Yeah, you see that with anything in life. <laughs> Stuff that's done a certain way because of tradition. Yeah. Or because it was done that way successfully in the past. 
You just barely something. avoided me singing a musical just now because you used the word tradition. It was very close. Oof. Oof. Just felt that car zoom by. Tradition! Just... Oh, no. Nope. So we there did not avoid it. <laughs> we did not we avoid it, Anne. We stayed too long. It's back. <laughs> Slayer of Lies. Mm. Slayer of Lies. So, yeah, so, so just, got... I'm sorry, just what I wanted to say was I kind of, again, like, big, because I, I, that, that whole dragon having three heads, da da da, was like always, because again, taken too literally by, you know, fucking literally man Rhaegar, and that he just, was supposed to be taken metaphorically the way it is in this chapter, you know, like the dragon to be a real dragon, you know, and we've seen so many dragons who were not, who were like so many Targaryens. We've had the book of the Targaryens, you know, so many of them were like weak leaders, sickly leaders, you know, bad leaders. And basically yeah. to be a real dragon, to be able to, to not just be a Targaryen, but to be a dragon, you have to go through shit. There needs to be like a, you know, a trinity aspect to yourself, and that's... Mm. You mean like war, diplomacy, arts, or culture, or something like that? Like, more theoretical Yeah, yeah, things? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Like, you must okay. be able to, like, you know, like, with the, the three, like, you, you know, you must be able to, like, be, you know, ready to war, like, the three fires, you know, light fires, to you know, defend yourself, defend the ones you're close to you, but also you must be able to like, you know, like the idea of the mouse is like to go somewhere to, you know, or accept connections or, you know, make allies. And the treason must be like, yeah, you must be able to, with like, it's going to be tough to withstand those treasons. Yeah. So a more, a more metaphorical. Yeah. You think the fandom in general, maybe the books, but the fandom in general, take the three heads to be too literal. Yeah. And then it's well, yeah, it's like, oh, is it going to be? It's, 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 it's Dunny yeah, and John, it's and then who's the third concerned. one? Is it going to be yep. Brad? Is it going to be Tyrion? Is it going to be Fagan? Like, who are the three dragon riders? No, nowhere is there, are there three dragon riders in the, like, no, you know, no one says yeah. that. So, yeah, no, I yeah. think, like, no, that's, that's, that was my little contribution, which I think the dragon being, like, the real positive, complete Targaryen rulers must. Needs to be multifaceted. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yep. Cool. I do too. Yeah. I, yeah. We we cling to this vision of Aegon and his two sisters as the three heads of the dragon when it's metaphorical. You need to be able to handle your shit. Yeah. What uh, I just want what name because George is screwing with us. Uh. What woman's name did he murmur? Because clearly Danny heard it. And recognize it as a woman's name. Oh, yeah. And George just chose not to share it with us. Yeah. Yeah. He was Liana. That seems like the obvious answer, but... Seems like it bothers me that he doesn't just say it. Yeah. And then you can think of, you know, maybe the usurper. Maybe Robert Baratheon had moved away. Was Although I'm pretty sure we would have made sure that Rhaegar was dead and it would have stayed above his corpse until his last breath. So Rhaegar heard him say Lyanna. <laughs> if that's what he said. Uh, Can you... Like... Um, yeah. That's, that would be... Ugh. That'd be... Betrayal. I think Angst. the woman's name was Lisa. As in Twist. Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb. 
Yeah. Gotta always bring that back. Slayer of lies, Matt. <laughs> Glowing like sunset, a red sword was raised in the hand of a blue-eyed king who cast no shadow. Stannis Baratheon, right? Yeah. That's what you'd think, yeah. It's mm-hmm. shadow. I did do some go- some uh, searching on the old Search of Ice and Fire. Shadow. Shadow is almost, ex- not entirely, but almost exclusively reserved for Stannis and Melisandre in the tree. And shadow That's crazy. crazy. Okay, yeah. cool. And she told him that if he, she tried to sire another shadow baby off of him, there would be problems, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he, casting he no shadow. Didn't have the essence anymore. Yeah. Cloth dragon seems to be Aegon the sixth, right? Yeah. Well, if someone else comes up, I don't know who else it would be. But yeah, I put young grave. Right, dragons from stone. Birthing dragons from stone, right? Which, I don't like it, d- but it seems like a repeat, right? Well, yeah. So there's something about, yeah, because it could be with the f- breathing, you know, shadow fire, which, again, like, makes you think again about, like, you know, Belisandra and her shadow babies or something about waking the mm-hmm. dragons in Dragonstones, something. Uh, but uh, I, so I saw that's not my idea. I can't remember where... That's another phantom thing. Could be uh, grayscale epidemic, but that also would somehow be but uh, brought on by John Con. But then how could she slay that lie of a grayscale yeah. epidemic? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I wondered I if maybe I... like the first one is Stannis, very specifically Stannis. The second one is Fagon, I suppose. I don't like it because I want I want Fagon to be Aegon and, and real. Maybe that third one is meant to be Rolor in general. That the shadow fire, shadow from a shy, the, the whole idea of of Rolor in general is a lie. That you don't need Rolor, you just need dragons and Yeah. I, I was on that vein too of like Melisandra attempting maybe to bring dragons alive from stone. She fails. And Danny's, and so maybe she's like, so it cannot be done. And Danny's like, no, it can because I did it. Remembering that the, the dragon eggs. eggs were like stone yeah. at first, yeah. and so she slayed that lie. I was like, nope, I can bring dragons from stone. Yeah, you can't, but I but can. I can. Boom. Uh-huh. Did it already. And nice. I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess. Ask my I like blood it. riders. They were there. I like it. I like it a lot too. I mean, except that it's not really a tower, the pyre, but I mean, I guess it could be seen metaphorically yeah, as a tower. It's not. But you're right. Mm-hmm. But it was smoking, and it was. I mean, it was a you know. But if the lie is the great stone beast from a from a tower, that's the lie, and the truth is, great beasts breathing fire from stone eggs, right? Mm-hmm. The lie is just the tower, and yeah, stone dragons. Yeah. Or that Melisandre could be the one to awaken them. That's yes. a lie, right? Going back to your point about yeah. the power of R'hllor and everything. Yeah. There is, yeah. you know, you know, another possibility, which was that at that point, the book pre Maren is not. I do really think that George had plans for Daddy to go to a shy, so he could have been a, a shy foreshadowing that he's gonna have to. It could have been. You know, yeah, that could be another thing that, you know, again, I think that won't happen, but. Yeah. Garden got out of control on him. Right. I mean, yeah. you know. Bride Planted of fire. way too many tomato plants because like us. Again, yeah. Shy by the shadow. We know there's like, 
I really, you know, I don't want Danny to ever get to Westeros. I want to see more Essos. That's that's my truth. That's my real truth. I, I, I want to know the five forts are, but let's not go there. Yeah, I want, I just want all the Essos. I want Essos adventures. I don't want any more Targaryen. I don't, stop making, why are they making House of the Dragon? No, give me, I would watch a TV show about things in Essos. Preach! Preach! Like a, like a, like a fictional National Geographic yes. type show that just explores places in Essex. Yes, I would that watch. That would be so cool. I would watch. What's this ha- weird gray growing grass about? Like an Anthony Bourdain show where a guy just travels around <laughs> different places in Essex to sample the cuisine, but we learn about the places too. I would, that totally. would be or like a, awesome. Or like a Steve Irwin. <laughs> Did you know there are dragons in the caverns of a shy? Oh, she's a big Sheila. She's big. <laughs> Bride of fire, Matt. Bride of fire. Gray lips smiling sadly. What do y'all think on that one? We just skipped right over the first one. Oh, did I miss it? Yeah, or Silver, because it's Cal Drogo. Silver trotting through the grass to a dark lane stream. It's Cal Drogo. It's Cal Drogo. Yeah, we get, we get. Yeah. Okay. All right. The gray lips. Yeah, you said in our first episode, Matt, when we covered this. I think you you indicated you thought it would be your on. I put a slash Victorian in there. Right. Gray Doesn't... lips is the key, right? Gray joy, gray lips. Well, yeah, I mean, right. it's the image. Euron has blue lips. No, but it is exactly the image of, uh, I think it's Euron, because the other one said, but that's exactly the image of, uh... oh my God, I'm so sorry. Now I'm doing all the, so Euron's brother was tied on the pro of. Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. That's the image of Aaron tied on the pro of Silas at the end of the Forsaken chapter. Maybe. It says right. standing on the prow of a ship, but I, I'm with you. I, I thought of Aaron too. So it could just one of those Greyjoy brothers. I don't see Euron smiling sadly. I see Euron smiling like insanely, like the Joker or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I think Victorion, I can see smiling kind of sadly. And of yeah. course, Aaron too, like you're saying. Yeah. Victorion doesn't smile or frown. He just has a blank stare all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it comes off as sad. He's got a resting what, sad face. Oh, what's the third? What's I, the third bride? I think yes. Yeah, uh, that's John. That one, the the chink in the wall of ice. That's what we get done saying John, oh, John, yeah, John things. John, yeah. yeah, John clearly. Yeah. show, faux show. Couldn't be anyone else. I mean, yeah. the blue flower is Liana, and no, but we're still on. Yeah, on Aaron. They bound Aaron Dampere tied with strips of leather that would shrink when wet, clad only in... I'm sorry, I, I, I tried to reread the end of the for a second. The mouthless maiden, her smooth belly just beginning to swell with the child she was carrying, her cheeks red with tears. She did not struggle as the boy tightened her bonds. Her head hung down in front of her face, but Aaron knew her all the same. Falia Flower, he called. Have courage, girl. This will be over soon. And we will feast together in the drunk gods warrior. The girl raised up her head but made no answer. She had no tongue to answer with. Temper knew. He licked his lips, test, tasted salt. Like, that looks so much like that description. Yeah. There could be some smiling sadly going on of like, we'll feast together yeah. in the halls of the drowned god. Yeah. That could, that could, yeah, that could bring it. about that smile. That's the big yeah. hang up for me is the smile. The yes. smile. Gray lips, no but, problem. Sadly, no problem. But smile. Plus, but but gray. But but gray joy. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Joy. Yeah. Smile. Oh, okay. 
grave smile. Yeah. Yep, joy. No, and I really, really think that uh, Victoria is getting dragon burns like real soon. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> like he's getting we'll so see. charmed by a dragon. We'll see. Yep. I know to all my Victorian fanboyos out there. He's getting toasted, Quentin Victorian I it, Parallel. I think it's just the one in your house. There's the well, there's only one Victorian fanboy. It's just the guy in your house. And it's oh, the one oh my guy God, that I, chose a Victorian chapter. I have met a lot house. of Victorian fanboys in my days. <laughs> a lot. Uh, he must associate with a few of them. Well, not yeah. through him. Like, I'm just kidding. Yep. Um, do you have do you have do you guys have more for this chapter? I mean, there was the last bunch of visions, like once they accelerate. Oh yeah, we've got shadow that. world, and as, I mean, again, like that. I don't have anything earth shattering to say. I still like the idea of the white lion running through the grass, taller than a man, being Tyrion. It just, it just feels like Tyrion is on a crash course with Danny yeah. to meet eventually, and I she, feel like there's going to be is. a beneficial relationship there. Yeah, and they're so I like the white lion. Yeah, they're probably close. Him. Yeah. Yeah, let's like close the chapter with like what Matt was, you know, for skipping the vital prophecies. So yeah, enough prophecies. Uh, with you know what Matt had to say, like you know, Pipe did Pipe do nothing wrong, or was he a sole trafficker? Because oh, okay, like sorry, I thought we all landed that question easily. No, let's do it. Okay, yeah, because honestly, like. So that's, here we're at the end. My answer is, yeah, he's a soul trafficker, period. He is trying to benefit from sending Danny in there. He's going to get some reward from the Undying for doing it. I think Pyat Pri is a dick. He's one of the biggest dicks in the series. That's my opinion. You really think yeah. they were biting her eye? Like, that makes no sense. To me, she's just bad tripping right now. To me, she's a 14-year-old uh, who's had too much acid, and at that point, she's freaking bad tripping she's seen too many things you know she's had like just too many visions on peyote and she's not handling it well and i believe that because again like, the that. Way if chapter... drogon wasn't there and lighting shit on fire and when she got outside the it's, whole temple it, wasn't smoking when, yeah it's when yeah. drogon felt like i have to insert myself yeah to protect there's a big Danny. piece of meat that he's trying to shard to eat maybe he's hungry you know because again like that's just... But if you believe that the heart is up there beating in the middle of the sky on its own, then you have to believe that the whole thing is real. What? It's all tied together. No, but like, she could not move. Yeah. Even her heart had ceased to beat. Okay. She felt a hand on her bare breast, t twisting her nipple. Teeth found the soft skin on her throat. A mouth descended on one eye, licking, sucking, biting. Like, that's a little much. Like, like to me, that that really spells out. I'm I I need you know to slow off the bad acid. We shit. haven't we haven't said that about a song of ice and fire, have we? That's a little much. I mean, I hear you. I I, I tend to think it happened because Drogon felt the need to insert himself. Maybe it was to just char some dinner, but um... but also because when she gets out, Prius dancing around mad. Tries to stab her. Yeah, because and she just burned. Intervene, and the whole temple is smoking. It's real. It's oh, real. no, no. It is real that Drogon just started burning shit. That I'm not. The fact that she, okay. uh -huh. you know, that what I don't think is real is she felt a hand on her bare breast, 
twisting at her nipple, teeth on the soft skin of her throat, a mouth descended on one eye, licking, sucking, biting. That I don't think is real. You know, okay. she's freaking mm-hmm. out. Rogan is reacting to her freaking out. You know, she only it... feels those things after he intervenes. No, she doesn't feel any of that until after he has. Yeah, but in, then right? yeah, the black wind buffeted around her head, and the scream. So of... she's not feeling any of that until after he breaks the illusion of the trip that she's going on with all the visions. He breaks that illusion. Yeah, but and she feels what's actually happening to like her. Like he's snapping her out of it. Kind yeah, of, being like, "Hey, hey, look what's happening! Look what's happening!" Yeah, but yeah. then like Indigo turns to orange. The heart was pounding, racing. The hands and mouth were gone. Like it happened so fast. I don't because again, like I'm, you know, I can really see the heart being real. I'm not sure those figures were real, not just like you know, like when when is it like what is it Leia who talks to someone through r2d2 like a hologram <laughs> mm-hmm. wonderful star wars mm-hmm. reference yes star wars reference go in really good, good job. really good really hot really hot on topic she yeah. needed a hologram to talk to somebody that she knew 20 years ago yeah uh or eight years ago that she knew intimately your um your point of it's hard to know in the end what is real and what's not in the house of the undying. True. I think that part was real. Sounds like Sked does too. I'm not sure. And you wonder if it's not. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think it. I think because she's, it is hard to tell. Yeah, I think she's really like bad tripping, overdosing. I think we have a good description of drug overdose. Drogon's freaking out and he's trying to like CPR her out of it. I don't think I think again like the figures she sees are like holograms, you know. Drogon, the black defibrillator. Yeah, and she does snap yes. out of it. And then she, you know, she does burn the house. Pied Priest not very happy about the house being burned. Like, you, you, B word, burn my house down. I'm gonna <laughs> stab you, you know? And it's really weird how it's like Pyat Pri was gibbering in some unknown tongue and hopping from one foot to the other. Like, <laughs> I, I'm imagining so like jiggly. a leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what? what are you doing? Why, why what the is one this? foot? No, and... and it's like, are, are your feet hot and you're like hot potatoing? <laughs> and yeah, honestly, that's potato. the thing is that also I still very, very strongly believe and that is my theory and I know it is not shared around that table that the undying ones are children, kind of children of the forest, which does not all match, you know, the description that we have of the holograms. So they're somewhere in the house, somewhere in like some, you know, and she's like burning them because she's burning the house, you know. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm pretty sure the children of the forest are also fucking evil. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, they're fucking evil. Yeah, we talked about some of the sinister nature of them. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like that. That you brought up the FEK Vron and how the yeah. you know it might not be the same, the group same exact specifically. Yeah, yeah. But I don't yeah. think Danny but. would have listened to a you know like Bran had been prepped by Joser and to you know and all the tales in North to listen to those mythical little creatures. I don't think Danny would least really have listened to something through them. And you know I'm pretty sure they intend to also do some you know use Bran's power. What do the children of the forest want with Bran? They want to, like, they, they're not sucking his life force. I mean, yeah, they, they're, they use Blood Raven's life to, you know, use his power. So, in a way, you right. know, but it's not yeah. like, 
so there's the thing. It, yes, they want to mm. keep her there, you know, for magic, for her potential. But I, 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 you know, I don't think they want to kill her or take, you know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe it is to kind of use her as like a vessel, like Blood Ravens being used. All of it's kind of a commentary on like the peril of pursuing knowledge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the cost of your mind and your body and your soul, right? Yeah. That like eternal life that the Undying have does not equal eternal youth, right? That uh, there's there's some bad side effects to all this. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like, because then the whole thing also about, like, always think the, the, that might answer your question. What would happen if she had taken another door? You know, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, that's the room where she stayed. Maybe that wasn't even, because the, then she uh, exits through yet another door. So there must still have been another mm -hmm. door that ultimately, depending on where you turn, is somewhat going to be to your right. If you spin around enough, it's going to end up being yeah. to your right, you know? Oh, it's hard to even think about it. It is hard to think about yep. it. Yeah, so maybe all they need is for her to stay in the house. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, okay. And that, yeah. I'm not trying to convince you. I am just, Kalasar, I am relaying my That's good, because I'm not convinced. I know you're not. And no one is ever convinced <laughs> by my theories. I am very fringe. You've brought up some very fun stuff tonight. That yes. Is, yeah. Um, we do know the undying are now gone. Well, according to, uh, who said it? Was it Zaro who says it later? Who tells Danny that? I think it's Zaro Zoandaxos who tells her later that he confirms that the undying are not undying anymore. They're gone. They are just They're dead. Gone. Well, so. she gets in trouble in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, she's kind of being run out of town. Like, Nobody really trusts her anymore, and she's worn out her welcome, kind of. Yeah. So this, the whole idea of the House of the Undying, you know, in the very first, I'm going to take us all the way back to the very first paragraph of the whole chapter. Danny had expected the House of the Undying ones to be the most splendid of all, but she emerged from her palanquin to behold a gray and ancient ruin. You know, the expectation, the initial expectation was dashed, and I wonder if maybe her expectation coming out of the House of the Undying after this whole experience wasn't quite as grand as she'd expected. She came out planning to be armed with power and knowledge and all these things that she needed to take a major step forward. And it ended up being kind of like, she came out armed with paranoia yeah. and doubt. This and was a slap more to the questions face that Danny needed in. to be, yeah, more questions in which she came in, absolutely, Matt. This was the slap to the face that she needed to be like, oh, I'm done here. Yeah. Karth is over for me. This is this is all they had to offer. I'm done. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Well said. I want to talk to Anne some more, though. Absolutely. About Anne. Because Anne, we yes. like learning about you. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Tell it. You've been a fan of this series for a long time. Tell us about it. How did you find a Song of Ice and Fire? I found that's his. I don't know who doesn't know that story about me. I think, you know, I've said it in so many places. I have a video that talks about it. Watch my videos. Uh, I know the story. <laughs> uh, okay. 
I found the TV show because, you know, it was a big thing. So yeah. I watched season yeah. one, you know, and at the time I was watching it through alternate streaming methods in France because, you know, you could you didn't have access to <laughs> HBO. So that was not an option. Yeah. So I binge watched season one and then like season two had started. So I watched like one, two episodes of season two. I'm like, I understand nothing. Who are those people? I don't understand. I, 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 wow. I don't know what's going on anymore. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to Google maybe a recap to understand. And then I'm like, I think I, you know, and then I found the world of Ice and Fire. I found the wiki of Ice and Fire. And I, I started, uh, and the forums of Ice and Fire. And I started binge reading the forums of Ice and Fire. And I, I, I binge read, and that's going to be a really old callback to I, you know, old people in the fandom, I binge read a lot of the very infamous board on the forms of Ice and Fire that was called Beyond the Wall. That was a real, like, I don't want to say sheet posting because I think, but very high tinfoil board with, with, you know, a lot of like the children of the forest are the real evil, evil one. And, you know, why were they left beyond the wall and things like that. Uh, and so, I pretty much uh, devoured the forum, so knew everything there was to know about the book series before I even started reading the first book. And I thought, if people mm -hmm. can write that many posts about a book series, it's probably a pretty good book series. So I, then I started reading the books. So, in essence, you found the fandom before you found... The books. Before you found the books. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, I feel like I, 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 I don't want to misquote you, but I feel like when we met, you told me maybe that you hadn't even read the books yet, really. You'd read, at least not cover to cover, you'd read pieces of them based on the forums and going and looking and like just picking the things you wanted to read out of order based on the posts that you'd read and stuff. Is that true? Oh, no, that was more in my rereads. No, I read them all okay. the way through. But yeah, in my rereads, because okay. people then do all re... I never yeah, yeah, need a complete... That's common, that's common. Yeah, a complete reread. Like, I only pick for my rereads. So there are chapters that I have never reread. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you... What, what about... I think I think you have one that I remember hearing a long time ago personal tinfoil like something that you can't that you couldn't wait to see proven right i know well, one of your big pieces i think you felt like got proven right well yeah there were a lot of things about bran but I, yeah. like i almost that like i got didn't happen last minute almost like you know made a video about that got back to youtube just to film that yeah <laughs> pretty much i feel like the last season of the tv show validated all of my brand's theories like, oh, yeah, Brad's going to turn evil, and then da 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 And like, oh, no, And I adore Brad. He is my sweet summer child. Yes. He is. But I'm like, no, like, all the Stark siblings are going to turn evil. And Brad, most of all, you know, and... Branny boy. But, yeah, like... I was just going to ask, so is his character arc the thing that you... The character arc that you like the best? Or does that remain to be seen based on where George goes in the next two books? It's, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, Brad's my favorite character. the chapters I prefer to reread. But I don't know if it's mm -hmm. about his arc, because I'm not sure, like, his arc has started that much. 
Yeah. It, it just barely yeah. started. Feels like it's just getting started. Yeah. yeah. It, it really yeah. does. Five books in. So, like, because if we want to talk about arc, so yeah, Brad's my favorite character because his chapters touch on all the themes I'm the most interested in. But if we talk like arcs I enjoy, like, then I would say, like, is like of bad assholes, like, Theon and Cersei's are like my other two favorites. <laughs> yeah. And I love, oh, I love their arc, and there is really for the character's arc. Right. And I, right. I really, really love Theon's chapters in A Clash of King. Oh, yeah? Which, you know, because everyone, because they're very interesting, like, really like the Rick chapters, which I really love, but I'm also like very interested in just Theon being a little asshole in the clash of king and you know like his entire arc is very interesting to me he really he really is an asshole in that book yeah oh awful awful but yeah tracking him from a literary character arc is pretty fascinating and to see where he's gonna go is also very fascinating so we were talking about the character arcs that you like the best and we kind of hinted at where theon's going Oh, man. Is there a POV that you're most excited about to get once Wins rolls around? Well, yeah. Like, you open up Wins. What's the, what's, you got the prologue? Yeah, I'm going to read Brad. What's the next POV that you want to see? You know, I mean, I know he's not going to appear yeah. first, but yeah, I'm going to read Brad. You're going to yeah. skip? You're going to skip ahead? I, Would you? You know what? Like, I've waited oh, so man, long do for those fucking books i think yes i deserve yeah. to skip it especially because brad's not connected <laughs> to the rest of the story you do deserve it Anne. i love it doesn't that. have anything to do with deserving just you know you know it's like you know that. if, if that is that. your favorite i mean although daddy has this little brad is all alone yeah i could skip ahead and read brad yeah i love it i love it i love that that's cool i, I don't think i could do it i think my brain would be like what did i miss well, yeah, you, I don't think I could do it. Then you go back and you read it. Yeah. And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but what if Bran, like, and Bran's maybe the worst one, because what if Bran were like, oh, I spied on this person doing this thing. You're like, what? what? I missed this oh, thing. Oh, it was mentioned yeah. in an earlier chapter. Yeah. But like, let me remind you again that I sorted those books after having read everything there was to know, yeah. like I knew about the Red Wedding. No, the one thing where I was surprised was uh, Sansa, no, Littlefinger pushing Lisa out of the moon door. Like, that was the door. only thing mm -hmm. that, for some reason, I guess the guys... That hadn't been spoiled for you yeah. from the threads? Yeah, because they were not yeah. interested in that. They were like, fuck Sansa, fuck Lisa, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> so, yeah, like, there was never any mention of Sansa, really, at the time. Like, she became a fan favorite. Like, I mean, you guys know yeah. more recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, recently. It feels like last, like, four or five years yeah. she's become... More it's interesting, more though, Matt. I, I don't. We've done like twenty-two or twenty-three of these uh, Meet the Calistar episodes. I don't think Bran has ever been the answer. As yeah, the for POV the most excited that we're most POV. excited about. But I'm but not. A, I'm not surprised. I knew that. You know, we know that Anne loves Bran. Yeah, but it's but, also a really good answer. There's. It's a great. Bran answer. left on a huge cliffhanger. Is he eating his friend? Well, Where? What's going to happen with Jojen? What? How was he getting out of this cave? It's a huge cliffhanger. Well, is he going to take that sinister turn that some yes. people, including me, expect? You know. Yeah. And, but, or suspect. And also, it's again the easiest chapters to read on their own so far. 
for yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I want to know what's happening to yeah. Cersei, but you can't they understand Cersei. They are good at existing in a vacuum. A Cersei mm-hmm. chapter. But they very quickly might be the worst chapters to read in isolation, because if he's spying on everyone, then he'll be spoiling the game for everything. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Who knows? I, yeah, exactly. I don't know how much, you know, George will want to play into that trope, but yeah. 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 It's a bit, you're right. It's a bit lazy, maybe. I have a question. So if we got the announcement tomorrow, tomorrow, George Post was not a blog, <laughs> his publisher Post or whatever, something that says, you're getting, you're getting wins in four months he's done you're getting it in four months are you and santa claus is real (laughs) no no it's like a legitimate public relations release it's official it's official it's coming in four months are you gonna go back and like read a song of ice and fire again are you just like would you come back to it to like refresh and get get prepped and psyched or or no 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 that's interesting uh i don't think so uh, again, because I deserve, a, I deserve a fucking treat, you know. I love it. We all do. Uh, yeah, we all I do. Like then, yeah, you know, then I can reread them, like from A to Z afterwards. All right, all right. Yeah, it might be fun to just tackle it and then. Yeah, it was like yeah, plus, go in and you know, fill in those knowledge gaps. I'm not later. someone who remembers a lot of things and a lot of minor characters anyway so yeah am i really gonna remember them after a reread probably not mm. like most of the dudes at the wall i'm like i wish she, she doesn't go here i i don't i don't know and most of the lords i don't remember them either and you're not like john who seems to, who has like the best memory of anyone ever i feel like like <laughs> John could be like, I read this book 15 years ago, and yeah. then he'll proceed to tell you <laughs> like, like intricate details yeah. of that, what he read. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the world, John? Holy crap. Anyways, it's true. I'm like you. I could read something yesterday and not remember anything about it today. Yeah. So, no, I, I just think, yeah, I'll probably just dive into it. I vaguely I remember what in. happened. John died. Don't really care about it. Will not be my first chapter <laughs> I read. Please stay dead for a few chapters, please. Because <laughs> you're skipping to read all the brand ones first anyway. So. Oh, yeah. But like, once I read, I love you know, it. in chronological order. I love it. Uh, no, I'm... Oh, Okay, vicious answer. I'm gonna read the first Adeline chapter to see George like kind of like corrected it because he was really poorly written. The temple chapter, Which chapter, the Elaine chapter, the first, the Sansa chapter, oh. temple chapter oh. we got. Like it was really oh, interesting, yeah. but boy, did he need some editing. Because mm. the Arya sample chapter, like Chef's Kiss, the Euron sample chapter, I mean the Vampire sample chapter, yeah, Chef's Kiss, yeah. Mm. The Elaine Temple chapter, like, I'm, I'm, you know, was really interested. It was, like, a lot of good things. But, yeah. oh, my the, God. It, the Ariane ones are good, too. It did need some editing, like, so bad. Like, things that were jarring. Like, I'm like, mm. <laughs> I feel like I knew those were not complete. I didn't read them with any sort of level of care. It was just, like, give me the drugs. I want them in my system. And I assumed they would be edited and everything later, but that's interesting. I'll have to go now look at that. No, but, but that was just me being bitchy. 
Because that's that's. <laughs> we wouldn't want you any other way. No, I mean, and maybe the again the Theon Sample chapter was already published when I read then, so that was so you know so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Whew, that was a trip. Yeah, a good chapter. A lot to discuss in this chapter, and we did. Yeah. Yeah, but we're ready for sign-offs now. An even better conversation with Anne, as no usual. Yeah. That was awesome. As is and always the case with Anne, as is usual yep. with most people. Yep. Let's sign off, hey. Hey. Because we're all tired. Yeah, we are. I am. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. I, I mean, I know, like, I had mm-hmm. to beg Scad for. Mm-hmm. Like two years to be invited on that podcast, you know, incessantly, but finally I made it and that was a really good chapter and I'm really happy I could discuss it with you guys. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure for us too. So much fun to finally get you on here with us. Um, I've quoted this lyric before in regards to Danny because it's my favorite Danny lyric. It's from the Wallflower song, Three Ways, and I think it's something we can all remember as an alternative for what we can do in life. Uh, In the lyric, Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, by the way, lead singer of the Wallflowers, said there's three ways out of every box. You can crawl out the bottom or climb up out the top. And if you can't find your way out, then just burn it to the ground. You have given that son up before I remember it because it's very profound. Uh... Yeah, and Danny, I guess, my sign-off can just add on to that. I think Danny has tried all of them in Karth. Uh, she even tried burning it to the ground, and it wasn't quite enough. Mm-hmm. So she's got to try something else. And she gets lucky enough to find some allies and get out of there in the next chapter. But, uh, man, even those options weren't enough for her. Yep. That's true. Good night, everybody. On that night note, good night. Good night. Hit that. No, but um, my son, his bedroom is in the basement, and he was like, Dad, I'm... I'm hearing, I'm hearing like bird chirps outside my window. Well, your window's a window well, dude. So we went out and looked and sure enough, it's not, it wasn't like a baby bird, but it was like a, like a kid bird. I don't know. It was a toddler um, bird. Couldn't fly. It was like a toddler bird, but it wasn't like a hatchling. So I like got down with it. I had a, I went and got a snow shovel and I was able to like scoop him up and lift him out. After he was, he was a little frightened of me or she, I don't know, but, uh, eventually we got her out. So, okay. And hopefully well, to good. a parent. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Cause it really switched quickly from Matt rescued a bird to maybe some animal cruelty there. I don't know. Like where we're standing. <laughs> I was quite gentle with the shovel, uh, but I might have. I took a shovel and a baby bird. It was a toddler bird. And I was there with my snow shovel. And I got under there and I went. (laughs) 
It was very gentle and loving, but uh, who knows if I threw him out of the kettle and into the flame or whatever, because I don't know, there's cats in our neighborhood and stuff, and this bird didn't have a family or anything, so yeah. who knows? And then I heard we'll say, a coyote. Good thing we didn't touch it. I've heard that if you touch baby birds, that sometimes their mothers won't take them back. Is that true? I, I've heard similar things too. I don't know if it's true, but yeah. I don't know. I, at I, least uh, my son will be able to sleep tonight without the chirping in his window. Well, when I was a young <laughs> scad doing mowing the lawn, I, uh, I ran over a bird's nest that had two eggs oh in it. Ugh. Did it kill you? And didn't, and it did. Yeah. It that, so, I mean, I remember it still, it's still, you know, playing on my, Aww. playing on my sanity daily, I guess, or monthly or maybe. Well, I, pro- I probably think about it yearly. It's good because, it's good you know, estimate. we're going to go into a really horror filled episode. So, you know, <laughs> like, like the image of the slowly chopped baby birds going through the, blaze of the lawnmower like or, yeah, or beaten I, to death I, with I, a shovel yeah. <laughs> i got up the eggs with the wheel and not the blades oh so, so just I, like, crunched ran over them with the wheel so just like yeah oh quick death then. but that didn't make it any better i mean anyway anyway i guess lawnmower blade <laughs> or wheels either way it's going to be quite fast yes yeah yeah, yeah. how's everybody doing i'm great and you know we're not even being coy, Kalisar. You know us well enough to know that if we're not saying what we're doing, it's because we're not completely sure. So, But it's because we're going to turn into a D&D podcast. <laughs> D&D podcast. And Matt quits. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have we have a few options we're weighing. Just to take the coyness out of it. So that's why we're not sure. Thoughts, Anne? Well, yeah, to me the biggest news is Game of Thrones was at Ice and Firecon and I miss them. <laughs> it was it was oh you didn't see them at all uh, well no but also like i was just there for one day so yeah you, oh. you got there friday night late uh and we just a quick ice and fire con divergence Anne and john uh showed up with uh well i won't i won't out her name or anything i don't know their stance on that but showed up with one of his children and um we just basically hung out on the patio for most of the night, just like a handful of us, and just kind of ignored the fact that Ice and Firecon was happening. It was it was awesome. We were just hanging out together and talking. It was a really great night. So thanks for coming, even though it was just that one day. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I and again, Matt, you'll get that out of the episode if it needs to be, but I think that's something that is extremely public. So yeah, we we really came because we had heard that there was going to be a really wonderful engagement proposal that was going to happen between Pat and Mallory and we love both of them. So like we had not planned to come. We did not have tickets. We bought a room way overpriced last second just to be able to be there for the Saturday, Uh the big day. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, what a great moment it was. I was changing into a costume when it happened, unfortunately. But I, I heard it was great. I felt really bad about missing it. it. It was. It was so cute. Oh, my God, their faces. But, no, Game of Owns was, yeah. Uh, I mean, same thing. Like, I don't think I've listened to their podcast. But that's, and again, I hope I'm not mistaken, because that was so many years ago 
Oh, I've been that bad um, for so many years. But that's a really old podcast, right? Yeah, they've been yeah. on for a long time. Oh, okay. Long time. So yeah. they established the um, Feast Dance reading order that we, use. we yeah. used when we were covering Feast and Dance. And they've done so much great things for the fandom and, and just oh, really good kind of scions too. of, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this is our podcast. Was... We don't need to give them all the good press. We're no, great, I wanted... too. I know. You are great. I just wanted <laughs> to say good things because I would forgotten. But, yeah, I did also listen to their podcast. I remember, like, yeah. being on summer holiday at the beach and just laughing my ass off because they were so funny. They were probably still on book one at the time. but Yeah. Wow. I haven't listened to their early stuff, but some of their later stuff, I feel they're just very conversational and natural together. That's one of the best things about them. And, uh I'm sure everyone that listens to this has listened to Game of Bones already, but if you don't, go. They're great. Yeah, check out um, Game of Bones. And please. check out the interview while you're there. <laughs> Which we didn't even talk about the Clerks 3. No, we didn't. Our, oh, I should have put that in the notes. In our we did <laughs> the trailer looks fantastic. That's this my looks so good. looks so good. Really good. Really yeah. good. Anyways. We should have made an entire episode about Clerks 3. We will. Oh, I bet out. we will. I bet we will. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't do, we didn't do the uh, Jay and Bob, though, did we? We didn't cover it, did we? Oh, no. No. It was not no. very good. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. See, I mean, I know that's not the format, and me, the concert has to be a, a Song of Ice and Fire episode, but I would rather have been there to, like, just dig on a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> well, we'll keep that in mind. We'll, one day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> but they... Pre- oh, boy. Scad with the big words. Prevaricate. Prevaricate. Sorry. Thank mm-hmm. you.